Happy birthday to you. you I don't. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Evan. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. You live in a zoo. You look the animal. <laughs> Hello and welcome to So To Speak. I'm Lyle Groniger, Evan Mead's eating, and Cody, <laughs> we are joined with our guest Cody McDonald, and today we're going to talk about five of our favorite albums. Yeah, I just uh, got in, I had a bit of a long day, so I'm kind of just, uh, I picked up some Indian food on the way home, so, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, your birth, it's your birthday today. Yeah, it, it is. It is, yeah. Happy birthday, Evan. Thank you very much. Happy birthday, buddy. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, musical albums. Yeah. Uh, this uh, whole idea was brought together by uh, Lyle and Cody actually came up with this episode idea because um, they're very passionate about music. And, um, yeah, for sure. I am too. Well, Lyle is like a musician. You know, check out. I'll let him insert the little promotional label for his yeah, I got, uh, band. I, I got my band together right now. We're called Moody Boy. I released an album last year about it's a fan album about Toy Story. It's yeah. pretty well received, so if you want to check that out down below, click the link. Uh, plug. Plug. I'm a sellout. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah. So we're gonna start, and Cody plays as well. Yeah. And yeah, I only really play acoustic guitar, but I've dabbled with uh, drums, p- keyboard, and. In grade school, I played clarinet, and I went through a bass guitar phase as well, just like Lyle. Um, phase? I'm still going. But, uh, <laughs> but it's been mainly acoustic. Yeah, you're quite good with it. sticking to my first guitar. Yeah, <laughs> quite good with acoustic, I must say. Can't say oh, I'm... Appreciate it. Uh, I did, aside from playing the trombone when I was in elementary school, didn't really have much of an instrumental gig outside of school, um... I have um, expressed interest in being uh, a singer, and quite honestly, when I was in high school, uh, I actually would sing at um, this bi-monthly rock cafe that we would have, where we would audition, the school would audition local talent, and I would sing there. Um, To this day, I'm actually kind of nervous that they only, you know, let me go up on stage just to make a mockery of how bad my singing was, but... You know, that would just be a kind of a cruel waste of time and resources, so... I'm not sure... Did, did you have fun, at least, like, while you were on stage? Uh, kinda, yeah. And then silver lining. Yeah. yeah. I think that's all, that's all it's, it's about. I don't think yeah, it really matters. It's just karaoke, I mean... Fair enough, the, yeah. The, tr- the trick with singing is sometimes, yeah, like, even when I try to think if I have, like, a decent voice, I always come off like I'm trying to sound like the music that I'm into when I should just really try to find my own you know you know sound, like sing naturally instead of just trying to mimic what I hear that is literally yeah. Cody it's that easy to do but yeah that is literally word for word the issue I have with singing Cody so thank yeah. you for highlighting that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um do you want to start us off yeah tonight we're going to talk about five different albums that we grew up with that have meant something to us over the years so, I would like to talk, start by talking about, uh, and we're all going to do five albums each. Yes. Um, I would like to talk about uh, Led Zeppelin Four. 
Uh, Led Zeppelin IV uh, is the fourth album by Led Zeppelin. You don't say. And, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you don't say. It's, it's, it's the album that comes after one, two, and three. Yeah, right? but hey. Not before five. Not before five. So, um, La, refresh me on the questions again, bud. That oh, you want. Okay, okay. Well, to, in summary, we have some questions that we're going to go through. What do you love most about the album? Why did you pick this one out of all the other Led Zeppelin albums? Well, this album doesn't have my gateway song to Led Zeppelin. Uh, my gateway song to Led Zeppelin was on the album Led Zeppelin 3, uh, and that was Immigrant Song. But oh, there yes. are some amazing, amazing tunes on uh, Led Zeppelin 4, and... It's honestly, like, some of the most memorable uh, songs by this band were on this one album. Uh, my favorite by far, I think, uh, is either going to be Battle for Evermore or Black Dog. I can't yeah. decide uh, which yeah, one. Yeah, Battle for Evermore is an amazing song. It's very poetic. And it's, like, it's like a story. Yeah. Well, keep in mind... Uh, the the boys who wrote the, the the music were very inspired by Lord of the Rings, which was a huge, huge pop culture phenomenon in the nineteen seventies because the J.R.R. Tolkien novels uh, were all the rage back then. I mean, they were written like uh, they were published decades before, but in the seventies, for some reason, like uh, they just hit a pop culture phenomenon streak, and they were everywhere. This was. 30 years before the movies, mind you. Yeah. Yeah. 25, 30 years guys, before the movies. Did you guys know that the, the band themselves don't really care about Stairway to Heaven all that much? Really? I... There's so yeah, much effort. They, I was looking... One. It, they... Well, I mean, I was looking up uh, facts, like fun facts about the album, and I kind of missed that detail. Um, I did hear that they think... Four Sticks is like not a bad they don't even think it's a bad song they don't even think any of their songs on the album are bad they just think uh, yeah I don't know where so it's one of the lesser of it is one yeah no Four Sticks is kind of like the uh, Paranoid of the album but uh, Paranoid but, was pretty good because oh, yeah, that was a like song they literally it was kind of like a yeah, no, no, yeah, Four Sticks was a filler song, and you can, when you listen to Four Sticks, you can tell it's filler, but it still sounds damn good. Like, um, well, that's ironic, because that's actually my favorite track on the album. Four Sticks? Wow. Yeah, I love Four Sticks. Yeah, yeah no, it, very close second would be uh, Misty Mountain Hop. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, but I think, I don't know, honestly, the Dark Horse to me, that's kind of tricky, because you got Black Dog rock and roll and stairway to heaven those are like three classic songs i do i really when the levy breaks when the levy breaks is a pretty great song that's probably my pick because i love the drum pattern in that song yeah (laughs) makes you want to climb a mountain (laughs) not misty mountain this song just reminds me of like driving out in a cadillac somewhere when it's like black and white Uh, like the desert my my favorite driving song on the album would have to be going to california it's a good album. I like the theme of adventure that... Okay, it, it starts off as... Okay, uh, if you listen to the songs in sequential order, they sound like they are uh, just, you know, kind of dicking around because they have these funky tunes. Black Dog and Rock and Roll are very funky, but then... Very standard. 
But then once you get into uh, like Battle for e- Battle of Evermore, Stairway to Heaven, and then Missy Mountain Hop, it goes from just a funky album to like this actual epic adventure, and that's kind of what I really like about it. Um, well, what's nice is that if you actually have the vinyl, the ending of side one is Stairway to Heaven, and that's like a great kind of finale to the yeah. first half. And then when you flip it around, you got Missy Mountain Hop kicking everything off, and then. Yeah, it's like a perfectly structured album in that sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and I, I, it is worth. I should, if we're gonna talk about Led Zeppelin, I have to be honest about something. Up until two thousand three, they were notorious, notorious for not giving music licensing rights to filmmakers to use their songs in movies. A little movie called School of Rock, which admittedly got me into rock and roll music changed all that because they begged uh led zeppelin to have a song uh the immigrant song in that movie and uh even though the song is used very briefly in that movie it you know stuck with me thor it's worth mentioning thor ragnarok did it better but (laughs) it's not a competition well, do you remember that uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth and Jack Black actually had a friendly Instagram feud as to over which movie used the song better, and ultimately it was Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> well, it used it twice, for God's sake. Yeah, no, uh, that's true. Like, Thor, uh, Immigrant Song became the unofficial theme song of the Thor franchise, so... Makes sense, it's Viking rock. It, it really perfect. is. Um, but we're talking... Completely different album. Uh, so... Yeah, what I like about this album is just, uh, yeah, the theme of adventure, uh, it's, it's, uh, it gave a home to some of the most iconic, not just Led Zeppelin songs, but rock songs of all time. So, you gotta give it credit where credit's due. Um, uh, and I, I apologize in advance, uh, audience, if I have trouble identifying favorite, like, one favorite songs, uh, it's very difficult. Well, I mean, if you list a couple, like, just so that Yeah, everyone... like, but yeah, no, like, uh, Black Dog, Misty Mountain, Hop and Battle Forevermore, and of course, Stairway to Heaven are my top three. Um, you know, uh, Stairway to Heaven, um, I feel like if I just, this is one of those songs where, like, how can I praise it by saying something that hasn't been said a million times? Like, uh, I'm now a music critic, but I just love the way it evolves as yeah, you listen to absolutely. it as a tune. And then it, it starts off quiet and, and you know, it, like it's just serenading you. And then it ramps up into this epic rock tune and then it quiets back down. Uh, and it's no wonder that Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen got blamed for, got, a, got criticized for being a ripoff of Stairway to Heaven because the progression in uh, Stairway to he- in Bohemian Rhapsody is very similar to Stairway to Heaven. It starts off slow, very operatic, and then it gets into an epic, active rock tune. Uh, I do think th- I don't think the tracks are identical. They're not, uh, but no, yeah. No, one is one is more like I mean, Stairway to Heaven is almost like folk rock at the beginning of it. It really is hard. Yeah, but uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is it's all it's very operatic. I mean, that's like Queen's sound yeah mm-hmm. uh but yeah no so uh a fun fact about uh the album uh 
Led Zeppelin themselves, they have no issue with the fact that their name or logo isn't on the album cover. And there is no significant reason as to why they picked that album cover. It just appealed to them and they just threw it up there. You know, why not? Exactly. So that's my uh, that's my first pick. Uh, Led Zeppelin 4. Great album. That's funny. And it's funny. It's funny. Like, you know, you, you, we literally just talked about my third favorite album of all time. Are you serious? And wow. Yeah, nice. and, and later on, Lyle, you're going to bring up uh, my second favorite album of all time, but yeah. I will be bringing up my favorite album of all time. I'm going to save that for last. I, so okay. kinda, for the, as will I. <laughs> for the record, folks, I do not have a favorite album of all time. Uh, I haven't. I have a favorite movie of all time. I just don't have a favorite uh, music album of all time. You'll find one eventually. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, Cody, so what's your first pick of the night? First pick of the night is uh, Peter Gabriel's "So." Oh yeah, that's the name of the album. So, so <laughs> and just a just well, just to do a quick little like, I, I I tried as much research as possible to clarify if this was like real or not. But there's a myth or like some sort of urban legend that uh, Peter Gabriel, the reason why he chose this to be the name of his album, is because. Uh, like you guys, are you guys familiar with Peter Gabriel at all? I know, Somewhat. I know the song "Sledgehammer," which Sledgehammer. I think... Yeah, that's that's the song that is off of this one. So yeah, yeah. he was mainly known for. I, I don't know if you guys know. You, you guys obviously know Genesis, right? Yeah, yeah. I know Genesis. Yeah. Um, so he was the lead singer of Genesis back in the seventies, before uh, Phil uh, Phil Collins took over. Yeah. But Phil Collins was also part of the band. He was just more of the drummer, but he became more of the lead singer as. The, the 80s era started after Gabriel left. I know, um, I, I, I knew a guy in high school who blames Phil Collins for ruining Genesis. Yeah, I mean, there's there, there's different eras about Genesis. I, I, I respect either or, you know, it's kind of, it, it's, it, it became more pop rock as time went one on, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. But um, with Peter Gabriel, when he went off to do his solo career, he did four, um, kind of more experimental albums before doing so and with so he wanted to like step away from that sort of mentality of him experimenting with like sounds and like making things a lot more like darker themed he just wanted to make something a little more accessible and you know kind of going back to his roots about loving you know like world beat and, and soul and you know and pop to a certain extent so there's a myth out there where the producers were kind of asking him, okay, look, like we, we under we like that. We don't mind you doing that, but how are we going to market this album? Because he, he, they didn't mind him, uh, doing like a portrait kind of album where it's just him, his, his like, as you're going to show in the podcast, the album is just him like in black and white, but they're like, you got to come up with some title that really pops. And they kept giving him reason after reason of why an album should sell the way that it is based on, on, a title and he kept, he just kept going so like so what so so and then eventually he's just like we're gonna call it that so so it's like an anti-title pretty much like pretty almost much, like a yeah. resentment of like corporate like expectations that's kind of cool exactly, honestly yeah. it would be even better if it had like a question mark next to it but you know whatever <laughs> yeah. so so instead it's just like so so, yeah. But going into the album, um, I don't know. 
this might not be like I mean I think Evan would probably like this a little bit more. It kind of falls in line of like some like solo artist like Sting. Uh, yeah, I do get kind his, of that vibe from him. His his I mean I love his voice. I love his kind of raspiness, but also he can hit really nice high notes sometimes. Um, the the album when it first when I first heard this it was actually right after I graduated high school and. How I got into it is because I watched uh, Say Anything. Oh, uh, nice. Game of Crows, Say Anything. And uh, the song in that movie that uh, John Cusack uses at the end to impress, you know, the, the girl of his dreams to win her back when he holds the boom box over his head in that famous scene, it's the song In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. Mm. And I really liked that song, so I looked up the album and I heard it, and I, I kind of clicked. This album just kind of clicked with me because it's both, like, like, I kind of, I kind of, my personality is kind of, like, I always describe myself as, like, a sensitive goof. Like, <laughs> I like to, like, you know, I'm kind of in touch with myself, but I'm also, I just like to have fun and be goofy. So, this song literally goes back and forth between very, like, sentimental, kind of darker, somber songs to just, like, upbeat, fun, kind of, you know, party songs. Yeah. Like, so, my favorite song off of this album i would probably have to go with the very first one that kicks it all off uh, red rain mm-hmm. just a very very somber lyrics very kind of like heavy uh drums in it and like the organ in it is very powerful um it uh it also has one of the best bass lines i've ever heard in the song that you just mentioned uh lyle uh, sledgehammer it's yeah a very fun funky song um it has one of the best music uh, videos of all time oh yes it's all like in like kind of stop motion yeah it's stop motion a a train's going around (laughs) and you know the company that was responsible for it who's that ardman ardman animation oh wow guys behind wallace and gromit that's crazy it was one of their uh, earliest projects and uh, Nick cool. Park, the developer of Ardman, actually had a section where he animated just in the middle. Yeah. That's one thing I always oh, appreciate. Nice. It's like, oh, so before Wallace and Gromit, they had this or something around. Or maybe, maybe Wallace and Gromit came out after, or before, I don't know. But yeah, they were responsible for that. Yeah. Nice. Jeez. Uh, so, it's Co- um, Co- Cody, it's funny you're talking about uh, Peter Gabriel as one of your fa- uh, so as one of your favorite albums. Um. Yeah, I just found out. Uh, I just learned something about you the other day that you consider Wally one of your favorite films of all time. Oh a- yes, and yeah, Peter Gabriel, Peter Gabriel collaborated with I think Thomas Newman. Well, Thomas Newman composed the music for Wally, but Peter Gabriel wrote the song "Down to Earth," which actually I think got an Oscar nomination or it won an Oscar. Yeah. yeah. No, I love That's "Down to Earth." We're it's coming down, down to the ground. Down. There's yeah. a better place to go. We got snow. He, he also has a very nice uh, cover of Heroes, David Bowie's Heroes. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. It's a very, and, and it's more sad. Like, it's very underplayed. Is that very, the, like, is that the cover that they played at the end of uh, Lone Survivor? Because, with Mark yes, Wahlberg? Yes. Because I saw that in the theater and that song came out. I'm like, hey, I know this song. It's Heroes. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. I, I, I was, it's funny when you said, I thought, I thought actually it was Patriot's Day, but yeah, it's Lone Survivor. So. Yeah. I saw Lone Survivor in the theater. They all kind of feel the I same. Get the, I get those three Peter well, Berg and Mark Wahlberg movies mixed up a lot. 
Yeah. Okay, Paul Greengrass. Is it Paul Greengrass who makes all those like movies about? No, no. no uh, Peter Berg. Peter Berg. Paul Greengrass also makes because uh, uh, Paul Greengrass made uh, Green Zone, which is based on a true story. He made Twenty Two July, based on a true story, and the Bourne movies. But yeah, there's there, a style to them. Peter, Peter Berg. Peter Berg works exclusively with Mark Wahlberg. But we digress. We really digress. Yeah. So, yeah. Cody, is there? No, anything? I mean, just to kind of close it off, like not really much to say about it in terms of fun facts, but it was it was just recorded at the Ashcombe home in Somerset, England. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as far as recommendations would go for you, Lyle, I would actually want to listen to the very last track. Uh, this is the picture. This is the picture. Yeah. And in in brackets, excellent birds. Uh, it has a very cool baseline in it it's not like it's it's funky but very like underplayed and very nice. like i don't know i like how i'm the designated bass guy i love that <laughs> yeah. yeah uh and then i would recommend uh that voice again oh yeah because there's a part there's a part in that song where he holds like a note for like 12 seconds a very high loud note for about 12 seconds pretty impressive that's great that that, that kind of gives me some sting vibes that i think you'll probably get a kick out of oh yeah cool um but a gateway a gateway song is would probably be like sledgehammer in your eyes yeah if you haven't heard those i've heard i've heard sledgehammer but not in your eyes yeah and a very nice duet with uh kate bush uh with um don't give up oh nice like his lyrics are very simple they're very simple. They can almost be interpreted as corny, but I wouldn't go so far as saying corny. It's just very simple, straightforward, but yeah. yeah so, good. that's it. <laughs> all right. So, is that all you have to say about so on so to speak? <laughs> so to speak. So, so to so. speak. <laughs> so to speak. So is good. So, so, but I don't know. <laughs> so, so, but I don't know. Alright, I haven't really picked an order for mine yet. I can either... I have two very mainstream albums. Oh, um, then I know what I'm, I know what I'm going to uh, talk about next. One that's pretty, like, underground. Another one that's, like, kind of in the middle of the road. Like, if it's very niche. And there's one that's, Bring like... Bring on the punk music. You want punk music? Alright, motherfucker, I'll give you punk music. <laughs> My first pick of the night is Static Age by Misfits. So... Uh, do any of you guys listen to Misfits? Uh, I've heard. I know the song um, "Hybrid Moments," Hybrid which Moments. is your favorite, ironically. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hybrid Moments is definitely my it's favorite a good, song. On Hybrid song. Moments is a great tune. It's it's the perfect song that makes you feel like a few more minutes and school will be done, and I can rush out the door. It's like, <laughs> is, 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 is this the song that plays at the very end of Jackass the movie? Yeah, that song plays in Jackass the movie. It also has a small bit in uh, mid '90s, and I'll touch on that in a. Like near the end of my discussion. Um, oh so, yeah, no, this is a yeah, no. I remember that song. That's a good skater rock song. Oh uh, well, yeah. Skate skateboards didn't even exist when they made this song. Okay, uh, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't say that, but anyways. Um, so the thing I the thing about Misfits that kind of ticks me off is I see a lot of kids like half my age wearing like T-shirts of them, and I kind of look puzzled because they don't look like the types that would listen to something <laughs> by Misfits. You sound like such a boomer. I sound, like, that's a very boomerish thing to say, I know. Like, Back in my day! Back in my day, people wore shirts that represented themselves. <laughs> Alright, but anyways, so what I love about Static Age is that it has a relentless energy that carries over from each and every track. 
it's always there's always this thunderous amount of distortion and it's always like a heavy sound in each and every song i don't think there's a single soft song in the entire album and the themes range it's it's a very bipolar album because on the one hand it's a very it has like a lot of cute send-offs to classic b-movies and stuff from the 1950s like they have the song called return of the fly and rather than put a whole lot of thought into the lyrics they just say the title and the cast members and the director <laughs> and that's the verse Misha, return I'm, I'm, fly. I'm looking at the track list right now and it seems like some of these songs only go for like a minute and a half well that's <laughs> punk rock man i mean you don't have to overstay your welcome But yeah, so like I'm talking like there's a lot of like, I mean, Misfits is a horror punk band, so of course they're going to talk about a lot of horror stuff. But then sometimes the songs get a little real, and they start talking about the actual horrors and atrocities of man. Probably the best example would be Bullet, which is a song that literally is all about the assassination of John F. Kennedy and his wife, who after seeing her husband dies... Um, viciously tries to like gather his semen to create a master race of presidents. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so they're, all bets are off with that song. They also have another song called Last Caress, which is all about a guy who loves to kill babies and rape their mothers. What? <laughs> this is a good song. This is a good album to start off with. And I think the only thing, the only reason he does any of this is because he knows he won't be punished for it after he dies, and that's why he's like. I'll be waiting for the day I die, because I know nothing can happen to me afterwards. Like, there's just, like, that's the weird thing about this album. It's very bipolar. Some, some songs are kind of cute, and it's like, all right, these guys are just cinephiles. But then there's some other, when I hear the other songs, it's like, I think there's a couple other words that end with file that I could use to describe some of these songs. But, um, yeah. But the thing I love about Misfits is that Danzig, Glenn Danzig, the lead singer, uh, for a time was like he has such an uncommonly melodic voice for a punk singer he, he people have oh, compared yeah. him to like elvis or jim morrison like he has a very good tone when he sings it's not like some guy just belting into a microphone half the time he's, he's pretty great yeah it says here that he like can sing punk heavy metal industrial blues and classical music yeah no he's a he's a very good singer that's why he's been working for so long um yeah. Misfits had another singer, his name was Michael Graves, and he was not bad for the most part. I mean, you can't replace Glenn, Glenn but like he was, he, he's still a pretty solid guy. He has one of my favorite Misfits songs, Dig Up Her Bones, but that's not on this album. Um, for this, now, they've only released like a handful of albums, I think about seven or so. And the thing is, is that this album, I think, has the best consistency of all their greatest hits, without being like a compilation album or anything. And each album, each, each song is more uh, classic than the last. So if I was to say you want, if you ever wanted to get into Misfits, I think Static Age would be a perfect like jump off point if you want to get into like how they are as a band. Um, so this is a, this is a good gateway album. Basically. Good gateway album, jumping off yeah. point, milestone, whichever. I think they, a lot of fans also really like their first album, Walk Among Us, but I prefer this one. Um, and what's interesting about this album is what that is interesting, Lyle. It was actually recorded in nineteen seventy. It was recorded in nineteen seventy eight. Uh, it took two months to record, but the album never saw the light of day. It wasn't released around that time. And the reason for this was because the band lacked funding, 
um, just after they toured and just after they finished recording, uh, two of their members just dropped out. It was the drummer and the guitarist. And so it was just Glenn Danzig and bassist Jerry only going, fuck, I don't know what kind of future we have this band. Because this was supposed to be their debut album. And unfortunately, they just couldn't really afford it. And another thing is, trying to find a record label to distribute the album was, like, super unsuccessful. And, and given, like, the the subject matter I was talking about earlier, I'm not all that surprised. Because they were trying to be edgy and, like, offensive. And at that time, so, it was... So when did it get released? It got released on a box set called the Misfits box set in 1996. Whoa. So, like... like 18, 18 years later. 18 years <laughs> later is when this album Jesus. finally saw the light of day, which is probably why it's featured in mid-90s, because it came out around that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... So, did they, did, before releasing it, did they, like, go back and, like, remaster it or fix it up or anything? It's interesting you mention that, because while the songs weren't released in their entirety, a couple of them were, like, launched off into, like, other EPs and, like, short little, short little jobs, short little gigs like that, and they'd always play a couple of them live. They had, like, a couple songs, like, We Are 180, what the fuck, We Are 138, or, like, Teenagers from Mars, or some kind of hate. So yeah, um, it's kind of they they had to they weren't able to release the entire album right away, but they didn't just like keep it completely shelved. A couple other songs managed to get out there, and that's that's what fans liked. But it's just nice to have a compendium that has like all their really huge hits all together. Hmm. So yeah, definitely yeah. check it out if you feel like it, or don't. Good. I don't know. All I know is you can never make an album like this today. Uh. <laughs> Okay. What's so, uh, what's like what's like what's like a what's a good song you, that I could just like throw on? Do you think I would get into? Um, the kind of song you could listen to with your parents, or <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. There's like a like last uh, uh, last caress. Or? Hell no, you don't listen to that or with your parents. The song literally starts up. Uh, I got something to say. I killed a baby today, and it. Doesn't matter what concern, as long as Hybrid it's done. Hybrid moments. Yeah, that's a good. That's definitely one of their stronger songs. I think "Teenagers from Mars" is a good song. "We Are 138" is probably them at their most like raw. Like it's literally like a three chord song, and then just bellowing "We Are 138" throughout most of it. Um, some kind of hate is a really pretty song actually. I like that one. It's got like this. It almost sounds like a doo-wop song or something, but way more energetic. So I would go with um, TV Casualty, some kind of hate, and hybrid moments. But um, <laughs> if you want to get if you want to get freaked out, listen to Bullet because that one's uh, that one's got some cojones. Okay. But I think I've said enough today, right. so please. Um. So um. You want to talk? Uh, I, so you said that, that that was a very mainstream album. Uh, it's not mainstream, but yeah, it's it's on the cusp because people know about Misfits. Okay, so I'm probably gonna the album I picked put the following band I'm about to talk about on the map. Uh, how many of y'all have heard of the guys who did the soundtrack for Tron Legacy, Daft Punk? Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I that's not their claim to fame. Uh, in <laughs> in recent years. 
they got to the truly truly mainstream circuit when they collaborated with pharrell williams, pharrell williams yeah. and other artists uh but back before they got to that level they made this album in 2001 called discovery and i loved discovery right when I, I i listened to this album right when i was starting to go to high school and uh it actually contains my gateway song to daft punk which was harder better faster stronger i think it's probably one of their most famous songs of all time i would argue that yeah, yeah. well because that, uh, that was sampled in kanye's stronger yes that 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 don't give me i'm so, sorry for my mocking tone i cannot audience uh i cannot stand kanye west i'm sorry um but anyway so i mean some people think he's got some decent insights but we're not talking about kanye west we're talking about daft punk so uh this album not only does it have uh you know uh a harder better faster stronger it's got some euphoric ass tunes like uh it's got uh, one more time. One more time, we're gonna celebrate. Oh yeah, alright, let's start the dancing. So what, yeah. you, what, you, what else do you I like about this? Song. Um, I love. I, you know what? It's it's a feel good album, like quite honestly. Um, and then uh, I like how the first three songs are kind of tied together like one more time is kind of abruptly canceled out by aerodynamic that's my favorite song oh aerodynamic is kick-ass that that guitar riff in the middle of it yeah yeah i like face to face that's a good one oh that's um you know uh, but yeah, no, this is a, I'm trying, I tried to be as nostalgic as possible when I was thinking of albums to talk about. And I thought, you know, I really love this album right when I was leaving elementary school and going to high school. So, uh, but yeah, no, uh, my, uh, harder, bash, harder, better, faster, stronger, like was my feel good song for many years. Like, that was, that was well, like the anthem yeah. of like mid two thousands. It really was, yeah. uh, like the YouTube era. Yeah, uh, no, YouTubers used, whenever they would do, like, uh, MMVs for big movies that were out, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger is one of the most overused songs. Do you remember that one video with the two girls with boxes on their head, and they have the entire words written on their bodies, yes, and that they was, dance together? I, I do remember that, that was excellent. Uh, uh, oh, did you guys ever play this computer game back in high school? It was called Kitten Cannon. Yes, that's the instrumentals from How Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger were yeah. the, the, the score of that game. <laughs> I don't even know we're, what you guys are talking about. <laughs> okay, if you ever went to addictinggames.com, like on a day yeah. in the computer lab where there was nothing to do, like okay. the cool kid in class would go to addictinggames.com, and addictinggames.com was this like x-rated website where you can get a where like the teachers you had to kind of click onto a different browser to make sure the teachers weren't uh weren't seeing you play any of the games because some of the games are really explicit but hmm. addicting kin cannon was somewhat explicit uh by the time our, our teachers didn't really care when we were in grade eight so kin cannon is fucking funny like the cool kid would play it and it's, it's basically fucking funny no seriously uh I, I'm a cat lover, like I can just say, it, it, it it's it's hilarious. You, what you do is you aim the cannon at a certain directory, and then you fire, and then a kitten goes flying. It lands on the idea is to send the kitten flying as far as possible. 
before it becomes a mangled, bloody mess. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so Evan. No, but Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, no, no, uh, Discovery is such a feel-good album. And it was released, I discovered it in the, in 2005 or six. It was released in 2001, a year after uh, the their Homework album, which I had... Oh, right. Was that their debut album, or did they have one before that? That was, actually. Well, and that's the thing I wanted to kind of bring up. But I'm wondering if you've heard it, because this is, this actually, I, I, I think Discovery definitely put them more on the map, but, like, Homework is a great debut album. It really I, is. I've only, I only, yeah, I've, I don't know if you've heard it. Like, I haven't heard it, but I have heard uh, yeah. Defunk around the world. No, no, I've heard Defunk. I've heard around the world. Really it's really good, but no, I haven't heard the whole album. I just Defunk, heard those two songs. Defunk, Defunk has a really great music video directed by Spike Jones. Yeah, it's not He's even really a music video. It's more like a short film with the music in the background. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. It's like it's a story about a guy who's like. I thought it was like a man-dog hybrid or something. I thought that was the intention. And he's just getting, like, you know, discriminated and, like, people that, like, a girl that he knew back in high school doesn't recognize him anymore. Like, it has a very, it has a lot of themes in it that I thought was good. But Defunk, oh, yeah, man, that's a great song. But anyways, um, so if I have to pick a favorite, uh, harder, better, faster, stronger, as cliche as it sounds, would be my favorite off Discovery. And one, just uh, I also like superheroes. Uh, one more time, and uh, digital love. Our digital love is actually a really deep so- love song, and you you don't even need to be like stoned or anything yeah. or drunk to understand how deep it is. When clubs open back up again in a post-COVID world, I think digital love should be played more often in clubs. And this is coming from a guy who fucking hates clubs. Yeah. So Evan, I have a, que- I, I have a question. A What's your qu- what? Have you ever watched uh, the con- the uh, what's the word the companion piece Interstellar? 5555 the story of the secret star system i haven't no it's a it's an anime film that it basically it it's uses the music from this album to tell the story so that's why a lot of the the music videos that i've seen online have are, anime have yeah. anime to them it's from this film yeah wow yeah i'll have to check I it out the one more time music video very well yeah it's like animated yeah yeah so if you ever wonder what the connection is, that's the connection. Cool. It's very tsunami esque yeah. you could say. Alright, uh, if that's all you have to say about Discovery, that that we've discovered it, Discovery. we shall carry we have on discovered with it. Cody. Alright. Uh, yeah, my next one is, do you guys know the local band here from here in Toronto, uh, Metric? Yes. Yes, I do. Nice, nice Canadian indie band, Metric. Uh, I'm talking about their album Fantasies. Okay. It's a very, it's a very special album for me for one simple reason. It was my introduction to indie music. Yeah, so was... when I was in high school, I was assigned to do this project 
I'll just do this quick story. I was assigned to do this project by one of my from one of my teachers to put together like this uh, environment. It was like it was a it was some project for Earth Day. It was a very bad sketch that they wanted me to edit and put together, even though it was very poorly shot and all that. But he wanted me to use. He's like, "Here, Cody, I want you to use the music from this one album. It's called uh, Fantasies by Metric." And I said, "Okay." I downloaded it. So I'm editing all this stuff together, and I started to think, "Wow, this is like." This is good music. This is really hearkening back to like my love for uh, bands like Garbage and, uh, and and No Doubt. Just like very you know like cool like cool rock bands that have like a female singing voice, really strong voice. Yeah. But there's also like a very modern flair to it as well. And um, and my dis- and it was just so shocking to know that they're Canadian as well. You know. Like, yeah, from Toronto. Um, Shout out to them. College did the yeah. music for soundtrack. There, there's something kind of like I can just imagine Driver in that movie, <laughs> like yeah. Ryan Gosling listening to that song, Twilight Galaxy. I love Drive. But, it's a good but movie. While I would recommend the songs um, Satellite Mind and uh, Gold Girls Guns. I feel like I've heard of that song. I know. Or, Give sorry, me. Gold I know, Gimme Sympathy, it's like, who would you rather be, the Beatles yep. or the Rolling Beatles Stones? Beatles or the Rolling Stones. That's yep. a good question, guys. Who would you rather be, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm going to say... Beatles, no doubt. Uh, Beatles yeah. Uh, I'd rather be Beatles. <laughs> well, I mean, why would... I was going to say, like, because... Uh, nah, never mind. Forget like, it. Why are they always paired together? Yeah. Well, they were kind of like that lead of... They were kind of the head of the British invasion, both yeah. bands, and they're... And Rolling Stones has more longevity, but I think Beatles, like, really put, like, Im- really impacted the entire rock genre yeah. and as a whole. Yeah. And, and for you, Evan, I would recommend uh, Gimme Sympathy and the last track, uh, Stadium Love. Yeah. i yeah. check it out. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a solid album, but I, I wanted just to make it a good shout-out here, because, like, if it, I don't think if it was for this album, I wouldn't have gotten into, like, stuff like Bonnie Love. Like I mentioned last time. Bonnie Barr, yes. I'm getting better at pronouncing his name. Fools. Yeah. Yeah, Bonnie Barr, yeah, there you go. Yeah, like, stuff like Fools and The War on Drugs and TV on the Radio, like, all this indie stuff that I now listen to, I I, kind of hold this album a little bit responsible for 
making me go, wow, there's way more things out there than what's just played on the radio, you know? Because mm-hmm. I got so sick of stuff getting, because back where I'm from in Windsor, I just got so sick of uh, everything getting shoved down my throat because of like, oh, the only good music that's out there is the only stuff that's played on the radio over and over and over again. It's like, nope, I don't believe in that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's very that kind of ties into uh, my next one, yeah, actually. No, solid album. So that's a good segue. Yeah. What's yeah. That? So uh, I just thought it was funny, Cody, because you're saying that good music can only be found on the radio, and my next pick is entirely internet based, and it's called um, it's kind of a long title, DC Snuff Film slash Waste Yourself by Teen Suicide, 2015. Ah. So I know it, it's kind of a rough name. They also go by American Pleasure Club, but I also dumpster like i've never been able to find a solid name for themselves wow i just call them teen suicide because it it fits their uh, sound better oh okay so uh it was initially a basically what teen suicide was it was this guy in baltimore named sam ray who just uh he did a lot of his own recordings in his basement or on top of like the rooftop of his building and he would just like he didn't really care so much about the fidelity of his sound. He cared more about the, like the emotion that came from his playing and the, the sounds he was able to get with such limited equipment. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he tried to form numerous bands with a lot of people, and uh, they're I think they're still active. Um, yeah, they're still active, but they they don't tour as much as they used to back in the day. I would probably I'd probably best define his sound as lo-fi. Like, emo mixed with lo-fi, maybe shoegaze. But with this album, what he did was he had two EPs, DC Snuff Film, as well as Waste Yourself. And since, like, they were in such high demand, he only released them physically. um, And he he oversold them, and they ran out of stock. So instead, he just, like, combined the two albums. And and since they are very short, I think they're eight songs apiece, he just made it into a full album. So to call the compilation album's a little dodgy, but either way, what I really like about the album is that it has a it, it's very interestingly textured. It starts off with very many. It has a lot of heavy hitting songs, or heavy hitting songs, sorry, that are like drenched in distortion, and like you can tell like he's just screaming into the microphone. Drums are like wailing like nobody's business. A lot of their songs like it's very. It's very, very obviously indie, mm. and but the best part is, is like near the halfway point of the album, it really starts to decrescendo into like electronica and soft acoustic pieces that you could tell he did almost entirely by himself. Yeah, and um, I don't know. There's, just, like, it's, it's a really good album to jog to. I find it's the one I listen to the most, and um, yeah, nice. if I had to recommend some, my favorite song. And this is quite a title right here. It's called, it's the last track of the album. It's called, We Found Two Dead Swans and Filled Their Bodies with Flowers. Lovely acoustic piece that he does entirely by himself. Um, and it's, it's very emotionally overwrought. Um, if I was to recommend songs, Evan, I would probably recommend, this is a really good drunk song. It's called, Lonely Boy Goes to a Rave. Since you just love clubs so much. <laughs> you know what? I, if I identify with the theme of the song, go, by all means. I don't know if you'll be able to hear the theme. The vocals are always blaring oh, out. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a very heavy song and I like it. 
And Cody, for you, I could recommend more of the acoustic songs like Everything is Going to Hell. Or, uh... Nice. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, let me quickly look up the track list. I can't find a Wikipedia article, so... Let me just take a look. Yeah, there's a lot of nice, like, uh, acoustic pieces. There's also one called Swimming, which is nothing... Every, every, everything I like is going to hell, and everyone I like is living in hell. I have I no... got no use for it's... friends, no connections. <laughs> Give me what I want and leave me alone. <laughs> nice. It's a very antisocial song, yes. Um... Evan, you might also really like Benzo or Skate Witches. Cody, you might like a few of the earlier songs, called, like Bad News and Everything is Fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's unlike my other album, it's not trying to be edgy for the sake of being edgy. It's just it's a troubled soul who just wanted to put himself out there in the music industry and let his voice be heard. So. Mm. Nice. Okay. Okay, so that's, that is DC Snuff Film Waste Yourself. Okay, um, I feel like this segues into my next pick because, um, uh, I've talked about a song, I've, ta I've given you an album that I'm gonna love for the rest of my life, Led Zeppelin 4, and I gave you an album that I fell in love with when I was a kid transitioning into a teenager, Discovery. Uh, I wanna talk about an album that got me through, that, strangely enough, got me through, um, a depressing time in my life when I was 18, and that is, uh, Mechanical Animals by Marilyn Manson. Now, when people, people look at me and the type of guy I am, they would never suspect me to like, to, to be a fan, to listen to, let alone, like, like any of Marilyn Manson's songs, but, I gotta tell you, my step when I was shortly after like I entered high school, my mom met my stepdad. And when my stepdad moved in, he uh, he owned a bunch of musical albums. His mu his music collection moved in with us, and uh, Mechanical Animals was there. So I kind of put it on one day, and Marilyn Manson was kind of this artist that I knew, like you know, I might like him, but I I already knew one song off that album because it was in the Matrix. Rock is dead. Uh, it's not my favorite by any means. It's pro Rock is Dead is probably like the most mainstream album on that song, if you consider any of it mainstream. Uh, but uh, strangely enough, like um, my favorite uh, album, my, my favorite song on the album, sorry, is uh, uh, I Don't Like the Drugs, But the Drugs Like Me. That's... Um, it's a killer tune. It, it, it almost sounds like a, the, the lyrics are depressing as hell and cynical as hell, but it almost, it comes close to sounding almost like a feel good tune because some of the songs on this album have very rocking, like upbeat tunes, uh, that are all about, you know, feeling good, but the lyrics are not about feeling good at all. So, um, yeah, it says here that it's almost uh, categorized as a glam rock song. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's really funny. Um, and, and it's inspired by drugs, television, and religion. Well, what really? Well, when I was listening to when I was listening to this album in grade uh, twelve, like right before I was about to graduate high school, uh, I kept 
feeling to myself like I was watching, you know, the popular kids and how they relate to everyone. And I was wanting to be kind of popular myself. And I did eventually kind of achieve some popularity in my last year of high school. But while I was getting there, I was listening to this album and it sounded a lot like, you know, there are a lot of songs that were all about being fake. Um, a good uh, example with it um, is New Model. Uh, it, 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 new, new Model... Uh, uh, new model number 15 uh that's actually uh it was very it's all about you know being fake and um another song that actually has a very upbeat rock and t beat to tune to it is uh i want to disappear uh the song is really disturbing when you listen to some of the lyrics um but uh you know it it kind of i related to some of it um and uh I feel really bad that this guy got blamed for Columbine, man. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Like, it's funny. I'm not really too familiar with Marilyn Manson other than the song The Beautiful People. That's really all I really know about him. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is, like, like he is considered, like, one of the best, like, industrial rock, uh, like, rock artists of all time. And, like, that's kind of weird because I, I, I guess I do consider myself a fan of industrial because, like, I mean, I'll talk about it later on, but I have a Nine Inch Nails album coming up that I'll talk about. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I don't I don't really know, like, much about him. And maybe I should... I, 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 I think it's, like, maybe back then I just wasn't too, like, drawn about his image. Yeah. I just thought it was kind of... I just thought it was just kind of weird, but maybe I can kind of get past that and just, you know... Yeah, I think that's how most people are. Saying. Um, yeah. Well, a couple other songs I would want to talk about are... Uh, so so you guys have recommended songs like to each other people um like I, there's a song i like you so for lyle um i would actually kind of recommend uh mechanical animals it's actually a pretty good tune uh Alrighty. for cody i think i would recommend uh that's a good question um Posthuman has a really, you know, powerful rocking beat. Posthuman is kind of like the 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 song where he questions religion. It's it, it's really kind of uh, it, it it almost sounds almost bonkers, but it's uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Wait, what? What's the song called? Sorry. The song's called Posthuman. Yeah. Uh, songs that they're actually despite the fact that I love this album there are actually songs that I can listen to like now and actually feel uncomfortable listening to them I'm like wow I liked this when I was depressed like the song the song Great Big White World is a song that makes my skin crawl and the song User Friendly makes my skin crawl too so uh, for you. yeah well I mean like I know it's designed to be that way but I'm like wow I like this shit when I was feeling depressed <laughs> i think the only song i know off this album is rock is dead i was just i was telling Co uh and that's just because i watched a lot of the matrix when yeah I was younger. yeah uh but yeah i know is that, um, the one that, is that the one that goes like it's like Yeah. That played it as a theme song for one of the fake David Blaine uh, sketches that oh, were yeah? on YouTube like years ago. Yeah, yeah, I remember okay. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's also got one of my favorite lyrics. Uh, 
It's Saxon, you dumb. It's all of a fair. So fuck all your protests and put him to bed. Got us in the TV. Rock it Alright, uh, that's all I really have to say. Just a, uh, yeah, uh, Mechanical Animals. It's a powerful song. It's a powerful album, sorry. Very good. Nice. Yeah. I can dig it. Yeah. Alright, you know what? Just to carry, to, to carry out with the theme of industrial, let's get into it. Um, my, my album is, uh, Nine Inch Nails is The Downward Spiral. Okay. The feel-good album of the night. No, I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> No. Do you know what? I'm looking at it. Um, Benedict, so, Benedict I'm just Canyon. Address. I, I mean, some of these, some of these address, uh, this address, uh, people might know, but you'll know it once you know like the nickname of it. So, do you know a uh, hundred fifty Silo Drive in Benedict Canyon, California? Oh shit! That's where Sharon Tate got killed. Wow. Yes, the the Tate House. Oh, yeah, wow. this album was recorded in the house where the Manson murders happened. Oh. And to Trent, to Trent Reznor's actually admission, he said like while he was recording it, he can actually like hear occasional like haunting sounds. And when you listen to the album, it, it, it reflects that because yeah, this album is very dark, very haunting, and fuck is it beyond fascinating? <laughs> like <laughs> it's uh. It's uh, it's not a, it's not it's not an album that I personally like relate to. Like I I don't I don't consider myself a, like I don't relate to the dark themes because I'm not really a dark person. But I'm like very fascinated by yeah dark themes and and darker themes and just hearing sounds that I've never heard before. Like there's some like amazing electronic work in this album. Like amazing. Yeah. Where I'm like, how did he achieve this sound? I don't know what I'm hearing, but I'm so Honestly, this is like my venting album. If I have like just a very bad day, I just want to just just take out my rage. I'll throw on this album and just like it's because it's just so fast and so aggressive. I just want to like swing my fists around and just yell fuck, like just to get it all out of my system. It's um, a good angry album. You got songs like March of the Pigs and Closer. You're like holy shit. Oh uh, well, okay. March of the Pigs is like definitely the uh, the gateway song that I would just. Like, if people have never heard of Nine Inch Nails, I would just, like, listen to this quick, solid song, and you'll get, you know, a, a dose of the genius that is Trent Reznor. That would, he would later on, you know, do collaborations with, with uh, David Fincher and a lot of his scores for his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this album, like, yeah, like, it, apparently it's described as, like, it's supposed to be the protagonist, and he's, like, like descending into like dealing with like all the problems that he finds with the world like such as uh religion dehumanization uh violence disease society suicide sex drugs like self-abuse you name it it's just it dives so much into everything but um my favorite 
favorite song? It's it's a cliche, but I I, I have to say it. It's it's definitely closer. Yes. That's closer fine. with the lyrics. I wanna fuck you like an animal. Wow. If you wanna see if you wanna see if you wanna see a music video that will later on be in your nightmares, look up the the uncut uh, version of the music video for Closer. Wow. You have, you have a you have a monkey getting crucified. <laughs> you know, like you do. You know, it's funny, That's like, Evan mentioned in his last album that uh, Marilyn Manson got a lot of heat after the Columbine shootings. Uh, this album got some heat as well. Dylan Klebold, oh, right? Dylan Klebold, one of the perpetrators, referenced the lyrics from several songs in the album in his journal, and he identified with the protagonist of the album as a symbol of his own depression. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. so... A lot of connections but, uh... there. But, uh, just, yeah, I, I noted, you know, like, March of the Pigs. Well, this album starts off so just right away aggressive with Mr. Self-Destruct, leading all the way to the very, like, sad and somber song of Hurt that most people know for Johnny, Ca- Johnny Cash's cover. Yeah, it's a good cover, honestly. It is a good cover. I mean, there's definitely a lot of meaning in it because, like, that was around the time he actually was dying. Um, yeah. But Hurt, I only heard Nine Inch Nails' Hurt at the very ending of season two of Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, I was just about <laughs> to say that. Yeah. Where Rick gets arrested. Um, uh, so I, I know Lyle's definitely more familiar with this album, but um, Evan, next time you're smoking a bowl, you gotta listen to the song A Warm Place, and you're gonna think, Oh, this is actually a nice, you know, like song. There's a nice current to it. It's very nice, uh-huh. and then and then it's gonna lead into the next track, Eraser, and uh, yeah, you're gonna shit your pants. Okay, I'm just gonna say that uh-huh. you are gonna shit your pants. You're gonna be hearing sounds that are gonna just literally creep you the fuck out in this uh-huh. song, and it's gonna just surprise you, and it's gonna feel like your eardrums are blowing off once the drum kicks uh-huh. in. And it's just like you're you're really gonna be on the edge of your seat listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's not much to say about it. I find it a very, I you know what I look at this album as? I look at it as a, a, a someone who's into pop music trying to break free out of <laughs> all the world's bullshit. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like the way the weight of the world is just completely clombered on top of Trent Reznor, and he's he's just trying to break out with melody and emotion <laughs> that's kind of my interpretation on it yeah i know many people won't like agree with that but i don't know i fucking love this album from beginning uh, to end uh, uh, oh and one more oh wait oh, sorry sorry one thing you guys gotta look up i don't know if you guys are familiar with it is you gotta look at nine inch nails uh performance at the woodstock of 1994 okay all right fuck it fucking showstopper they kill it. Absolutely destroyed the stage. And just literally and figuratively. Oh, like, God. I'm not kidding. It's, it's one of the best performances I've ever seen. Okay, duly noted. Just hearing them hearing them say, uh, perform closer. Just... Wow. I heard that Amazing. concert was a mess, too. Oh, they were all full of mud and just fucking... Oh, it was great. <laughs> Love it. Trent Reznor, you're a genius. Keep doing what you're doing. 
Keep keep being a composer for a lot of our favorite movies. Yes. You're pretty sweet at that. And oh, sorry to interrupt one more time. He's okay. Kind of, it's, it's, it's weird that he's been around in Fincher's life a little bit longer than most people think because uh, until he started composing for stuff like uh, you know Social Network later on, the opening credits for Seven is a remix of Closer. Oh yeah, yeah, because it ends with Closer to God, yeah. Yeah, it's a remix. Mm. So that, that, is that all you have to say about that? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Just, just, fun <laughs> facts. just fun facts I'll throw out there. Yeah, that's good, that's good. I'm glad you like it. Um, so the next album I'll get underway is one you, Cody, can help me talk about because I don't have a whole lot of new things to add to it. It's considered one of the greatest albums of all time. And all in all, we're all just another brick in the wall. Oh, oh yeah. The Wall by Pink Floyd. Why do I feel like oh my God. we're all going to go on a tangent with this album for an hour? That's good, because like, oh. I, I need help. <laughs> I can't cover it all by myself. Oh. An album that touches on oh, themes of war, fascism, isolation, institutionalization, and unfulfillment. I th- remember the time... Speaking of which, uh, by the way, um, as of this episode, Trump is no longer in office, but when he was, do you remember when... Uh, we actually, Lyle and I actually came up with a parody of Another Brick in the Wall Part 2. They don't want no immigration. They don't want no gun control. No dark sarcasm in the newsroom. Donald, leave them kids alone. Hey! Donald, leave them kids alone. Do, do you know um, a that, funny that's story? That's pretty good. Actually. Remember in our 90s episode when we talked about Recess and we brought up Recess Schools Out? Recess Schools Out, the movie, has a kick-ass soundtrack of like oldies tunes. And when Miss Fister busts into the room to save the day, she says, Hey, teacher, leave them kids alone! And I and I didn't get the reference when I saw that movie. But I then, did. Yeah, you did. But then I listened to the album years later. I'm like, oh my god, Recess referenced the wall. Yeah. That's funny. No, me and my mother used to listen to this song quite a lot back in the day. In fact, yeah. uh, actually... Cody, I don't know if you got the 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 uh, the experience, but I actually got to see this album live with Roger Waters. Wow! I hate you. I absolutely <laughs> hate you. Yeah. Oh, oh my god! And I, it was so shitty though getting there because I got like I, I used to have really bad headaches when I was in high school because I wasn't wearing glasses at the time, so my eyesight would really start to give my uh, I used to get a lot of really bad migraines and fevers. And the worst part is, is, like, just before we headed out, I got a migraine. So the whole time I'm going to the tr- to see this concert, I'm th- I, I, I'm getting sick. I'm throwing up. Anything I put in my body, I immediately reject it. And I was, like, sick as a dog before the concert. I thought I was going to... Or before the concert, not concert. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. But then as soon as I went to the concert, which was in the U.S., thankfully, and thankfully for U.S. shows, you're not obligated to stand when the performance begins. I noticed when you're in a Canadian concert, everyone just stands in appreciation, and everyone's, like, dancing and stuff, and you have to stand there for an hour. But I didn't feel like doing that at that time, so thankful, thank you, U.S., yeah. for not standing in front of me during this epic show. 
With like a fit, a, a forty foot tall uh, teacher puppet dancing in front of us. I feel like a lot of Canadian concert venues are designed to have the audience just fucking stand for. Well, this yeah, sure. If it's like a small venue, but like with large stadiums, people still stand, and yeah. there's you could sit, but you can't because everyone's standing, so you gotta stand. Uh, who here has been to Sound Academy? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so. One thing I really appreciate about, about this album is that each song translates seem or transitions seamlessly to the next one, and it, it almost plays out like a three-act structure between like each uh, record. Um, I was actually listening to YouTube the other day, and I would always be like, "Oh, the song's ending, <laughs> hard cut, gets to the next song, or an ad would interrupt." I'd be like, "Damn you, YouTube! I'm trying to get into this album, but you take me out of each and every time." Uh, I really like how I, I really like Roger Waters to be honest. Like even though I know he he had some difficulties working with the the group and he had a bit of an ego to him, I do really like do how. Know, do you know his experience? What uh, caused him to come up with the concept of the wall? Didn't did, did, didn't he come up with a? Didn't he have like a nightmare or something? No. So what happened was okay. uh, near uh, near the end of the tour of their last album, Animals. Uh, it was on the In the Flesh. Uh, tour, uh, which is kind of weird because In the Flesh would later on be uh, two tracks. Yeah, two on tracks the, on the album. Well, it's In uh, the Flesh and In the Flesh question mark. In the Flesh yeah, question like, mark is first. And then in the Flesh. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were performing for a. Uh, they were performing at a at a stadium where it was like fifty thousand people, and the band was so used to doing like twenty thousand. That's actually what they prefer to do. Like they just want people to come in. And relax and just enjoy the music and just play at a very minimal uh, attendance. But the problem was that this one concert that they were doing, which was the very end of their tour, their very last show, they decided they, they just the, the manager, all that just propped them up to a 50,000 attendance. And it took hours just to get everyone into the, the stadium. That by the time they actually would perform, everybody's already loaded on drugs, alcohol, and it just becomes a fucking mess because so many people are impatient. Mm. And Roger Waters, who was always described as being a more, like, just a smart, poetic, and very humble, and just, like, you know, doesn't, like, lash out on people, he had a very off night with the audience because he would swear at them, tell them to shut the fuck up, like, just completely, just, just trying to trash the audience because he felt like they were trashing him. It got so heated that he actually spat on one of the audience members. Damn. This was like pre-Justin Bieber. After that, he said, he said, literally, I just feel like I want to build a wall to separate myself from the audience. And then, lo and behold, that was the concept of the wall. Well, yeah, because a lot of the, the material in the album is based solely on his personal experiences from his childhood and going up to being like an actual rock star. And his father, and his father going off to war, like it's it's, and just how he felt so pampered by his mother growing up, and yeah. like the, Hence the song the mother, of, the the abuse of uh, you know his, his his school teacher, like it's yeah. it's all there, and it's his de- descent into into madness, which is more about his uh, bandmate Sid Barrett than himself. But, yeah. yeah, it's funny, and because Sid Barrett, when they saw him years later after he like descended into, you know, just. Uh, insanity he, like shaved his he shaved his eyebrows and he was like shaving his head and he was completely unrecognizable and then when they made the wall of the movie the character of pink also shaved off of his shaved his eyebrows off yeah 
So a bit of a reference there. Yeah, speaking of the film adaption, like, directed by Alan Parker, I actually very much like that adaption of the album. It's like, I, I can't imagine it was easy to, like, make a visual medium for an album. Yeah. yeah. But he, well, he it's does definitely, it. It's definitely, it's definitely effective to bring the album to life. Yeah. And understanding, like, what it's about. Like, in case you're not, like, because I'm, I'm not really a lyric kind of person. Like, I can't listen to a song and go, oh, that's what it means. And I, I don't listen, to, I, like, I, I look at lyrics as that it's, it's not about, it's not about what you're saying, it's how it sounds when you're singing it. Like the experience. That, yeah. That's my motto. It's not about what you're singing, it's how it sounds when you're singing it. Because it's an instrument. And, but with, when you understand what Roger Waters was going for, it's, it's yeah, very powerful stuff. It's, it's a very angry album, but it's also, it has a lot of redemption in the end. You know, like it's Well, after a really climactic f- second final track, penultimate track with uh, The Trial. I love yeah. That. I love that, that song. Yeah, yeah. He sings in what's like four char- different what's voices. That character's name, what's that character's name from Hunchback, who's like the street performer? Uh, the Gypsy. The guy with the yeah. mask and the sombrero kind of looking thing. Yeah, I, I always picture him when I listen to uh, The Trial. Wow. Oh, yeah, I could see him doing all the voices and acting it out with puppets. Mm-hmm. That'd be yeah, great. Yeah, because it's a very, like, Trapton Circus kind of theme, and it's very, like, yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite track off of this album? My, my favorite part, track, I mean, I don't want to sound cliche, but another Brick in the Wall Part 2 is probably, like, the highest point of the album. Like, just, like in terms of radio play and everything it's the most well known i also really like run like hell because it reminds me a lot of like i don't know if you ever seen this movie the warriors it always reminds me of that yeah that's a good one young lust is a good rock song young lust is great pretty strong comfortably numb is strangely meditative i actually really like that it really is same with hey you comfortably numb comfortably numb is one of the greatest songs ever made I would, I would agree with like, you. One of them, it's a fun, that has a guitar solo that literally takes my breath away, and I'm not just exaggerating. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it, it, it is, it's amazing. It literally gives me goosebumps, and I feel getting, I, I feel transcended when I listen to that. Well, that's what's so great about this album, is that you can, you, you need to listen to it from the beginning to the end, because every song you builds do. on the other. Yeah. It's, it, I, I haven't yeah. encountered too many albums that do that. My last one does, but like, I find it great. It tells an entire story. It's practically a rock opera, I believe. And, uh, okay, like honestly, like we'd have to do like a Pink Floyd uh, podcast because, like, I can talk about you can yeah for sure. Every, I can talk about everything from metal to the wall all day long. Yeah, because well, that's like those those are the best of Pink Floyd. Yeah, I, I should listen to a lot more Pink Floyd, but out of all of them, I think the Wall is the one I listen to the most amount of times throughout oh, yeah. my life. So. And that is my second favorite album of all time. Oh wow! Yeah, man, we'll it's such a. My, it's, we'll get to my number one on my last uh, round. It's such a great album. Wouldn't it just be the worst if some internet celebrity made a a parody of it? But Lyle, oh, didn't that already <laughs> happen? Mm. Oh, Doug God. Walker's like the, the Wall. <laughs> so I have. This episode isn't about the Nostalgia Critic. We're going to have to do a whole episode on Channel Awesome eventually. Yeah, we should. And what, but the thing is, my fr- our friend Vince told us that 
uh, in the episode, he brings one of the band members from Pink Floyd into that no, episode. Not Pink Floyd. I think it was a uh, it was a metal guy. Uh, oh, wait, it was uh, Corey Taylor. Corey Taylor. And yeah, Slipknot. Yeah, Slipknot. I keep getting him confused with Slayer, but yeah, Slipknot. Was he guy he from gets Slipknot. the a guy from Slipknot, and he has the guy play the fucking theme song from SpongeBob at the end. Yeah. No, it's hey. a joke. It's a joke, and it's not even funny. Yeah, that's that. That's the whole review. It's a joke, and it's not even funny. It's over long. <laughs> it doesn't have a lot of criticism from the movie. That isn't just like, oh, it's too long, or oh, it's Oscar Beatty, or it's just like, I, I'll be honest, I haven't even watched the review because it, it ticks me off too much knowing that he went oh, that I've far. Seen it. I've seen it. The, the, the first time I saw it, I, I just kind of chalked it off. Like, I get what you're doing, but it's just doesn't quite work but i've grown to hate it actually yeah i mean good I mean, just because i'm like i don't know i'm like what are you trying to say with this what, well, what's the parody well doug like, walker has kind of come off as super super pretentious uh even before that review i thought he was just you know kind of pretentious it's like he thinks and i think he said this once his greatest achievement was the moulin rouge parody which, which i watched because i was around the time i was watching his stuff he thinks that is the highest peak of his uh, existence as a nostalgia critic. And he keeps trying to do something up to that scale, but I don't think he ever really achieves it. He did one for the Les, Mer- Les Miserables, and then he's trying to do one with this. And yeah, He also did, when he reviewed Jim uh, Ron Howard's The Grinch, he did that all in rhyme. But let's not make this about Doug Walker. Uh, let's just kind of. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I wanted to bring it up because, like, yeah, it was. He got a lot of heat for trying to make a parody album of the wall, and uh, oh, you know, yeah, it's like his, good. it's like his worst reviewed review of all time. Worst reviewed review. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, hey, I mean, I, I wish I had that much time on my hands to do an and entire... money money resources people who want to work with me to make a parody album of one of the best albums of all time a little bit uh unnecessary but eh, whatever it's your life i would love this i would love to see the wall as a stage opera performance oh yeah like a kind of like we will rock you with queen yeah yeah that would kick ass that honestly would i think they should I, i think there's talks that they want to do that the next best oh, thing sure. is to see Roger Waters live, but you know, that, that kind of came and went. Yeah, so that's all I got to s- All in all, that's all I have to say about the wall. <laughs> all in all, it's just another brick in the wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a good bookend. We bookended this review with two bricks. How appropriately. So, <laughs> the next album, you want to talk about folk music. Uh, have I got something for you? Well, I mean, like, we mentioned folk folkish uh, stuff earlier like with peter gabriel oh, okay I, that was a while ago yeah, yeah anyway so but, folk album huh okay so uh there's a band i discovered on my 18th birthday called fleet foxes i discovered it at hard rock cafe oddly enough because that's where i went to dinner with my family back then so i um got really into their stuff i love their sun giant ep i loved uh their title album that was released in 2008 and uh this the album helplessness blues came out in the last two months that i was in high school but i listened to it for the first time when i was in uh when i was just starting film school and i gotta be honest uh 
it starts off like the like like the character or whoever is singing about like the journey that he's on and all the songs it honestly feels like you know he went through some hardship and is now starting a new adventure i mean and there are some happy songs like uh songs about learning from mistakes uh and the end actually is the last song is one of my favorite songs on the whole album it's called grown ocean uh it uh it's a really good album and uh, my favorite uh, song by far uh, is either, um, it's a tie between this song called Bedouin Dress and uh, The Plains slash Bitter Dancer. They're very, very good tunes. Uh, now, I feel like I'm talking to you guys about this. Uh, you guys have never heard of this album before. I, well, Cody, have you heard of this album? Well, well, no, I sure I, as hell I'm haven't. I'm familiar with Fleet Fox's <laughs> debut album. I've heard that before, and I, I enjoyed it, actually. Oh, yeah, it's good. But I just ha- I haven't heard of uh, Helpless Helplessness Blues, but I'm, I'm sold. I want to, maybe this might be a gem. I might, I, I'm going to listen to this soon, actually. It's, re- you know, it's really good. Um, you, these guys yeah. kind of give me an Arcade Fire flavor. They sound, well, Arcade Fire sounds like very techno-pop, uh, the foxes yeah, sound not, not the yeah, early arcade stuff fire, arcade fire with their recent album uh everything now is way more electronic and kind of like it almost feels like a parody of pop music but yeah. arcade fire is mainly known for like kind of like world beat chamber of, rock uh, like very very canadian rock like straightforward yeah rock, their early so stuff like, was very very yeah. uh well written i wouldn't say i wouldn't boil it down listen to the suburbs Oh, the suburbs I is love, good. Um, the suburbs is a good album. The neighborhood series oh. is great. Oh, neighborhood, yes, it's so good. Oh. But anyways, All four of them. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of songs, I would recommend uh, to you guys. Uh, okay. Yeah. Now, what, what songs would you recommend? Yeah, I'll check them out. Yeah. You want a sec? Uh, let me just look up the album. I got it right here. Okay, cool. Um, I would for uh, Cody. Um. I feel like uh, I feel like the shrine and argument slash an argument is actually a song Cody would really dig, and uh, for Lyle, um, I would just recommend. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, the, the 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 title the album song Helplessness Blues I'd actually really recommend. They're good. They're they're good songs. Um, Alrighty. Yeah. yeah no. I, the shrine, the argument says here it's eight minutes long. So yeah, lengthy, lengthy, <laughs> lengthy songs are always my jam. Oh yeah, because, oh perfect. Yeah, yeah. I guess sometimes if a song is so good, I'm like, oh, why not? Keep it yeah. going, jam out. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, this song because you know I kind of left uh, high school on a bit of a bitter note, but this album kind of it. This album didn't make me feel better about it, but what this album did was. It said, yes, you ended on a bitter note. That's how life goes sometimes. And there's better stuff to look forward to in the future. And that's the way this album makes me feel. Okay. Especially if you it's listen always, to all... It's always great. It's... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It, it, it's all... Like, the whole... If you, you if you listen to all the songs in sequence, you'll kind of get the emotion I'm talking about. Because this... It feels like whoever the character is in the album, he's just going from, like situation to situation and it's all like you know some of them are really hard some of them are really nice but uh yeah. the ending will make you feel like you know there really is good stuff to look forward to yeah 
Nice. I was gonna say it's al- it's always great when you can like harken back to like a, a period of time in your life where you're like that was the time I was listening to this album over and over and over again for those four months or even a year. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. you, you can always just be reminded by those times of yeah. the mood that you're in. And, my my and next album is even the even the album itself kind of like you know inspiring you in certain ways. Yeah. You know? My next album is definitely that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so hopelessness blues. Yeah, I'm gonna have to listen to that soon. I, I that's on my do uh, it because I, I love my indie rock. Do so it. I gotta keep it going. Do it and yeah. let me know. I want to hear your thoughts. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it's your, yeah, I guess right. we're moving on. <laughs> yeah. All right. So continuing my eclectic taste in music, as you guys have been noticing tonight uh yeah. my next album my next album is uh massive attacks blue lines yeah i was listening to this last night and i was very surprised it didn't strike me as something you would listen to but it was pretty yeah, good no. and that and that's that's why it's up here because uh i i was never i was never really familiar with what the term trip-hop was and uh-huh. i i obviously listen to like you know i listen to occasional hip-hop like i i, I mainly like uh obviously the 90s kind of stuff like old school 90s hip-hop is always fun to listen to but when i looked up what like trip-hop was apparently it's just a very like down-tempoed sound that's just trying to come it's trying to uh combine genres like funk rap soul r&d and and mostly electronic all together but with massive attack um funny this isn't my this isn't the first time i listened to massive attack it was actually their third album uh mezzanine which has the song songs you probably guys probably heard of if you watch the show house uh Uh, song teardrop is the theme song for house and the song angel is from i think snatch you guys have seen that? Oh yeah, in the the middle part where like the house gets burnt, his uh, mom dies in a RV yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, that's right. And you know, they almost get clubbed to death by goons. Yeah, that was in the Watchmen yeah. trailer too. Oh yeah. Yes. All right, yeah. What? Uh, Watchmen has a trailer that has uh, that song in it. The second trailer. One, there, there's a dozen trailers. There you go, yeah. Smashing Pumpkins one is better. But, this album clicked to me where i'm not kidding every track on this album is fucking gold like it's so good um it was very hard to try to choose a a favorite um but uh oh sorry so it was recorded all it was kind of recorded the funny story the how this album was recorded that it was recorded around several different uh studios in uh england It, it went from like abbey road to cherry bear to hot nights like it bounced all over the place and the length of it it took was like almost a year i don't know why i, I didn't really see any like reasons why they bounced around a lot but like uh, uh my favorite song this is very tough and i actually didn't write it down because <laughs> um honestly okay i'll just jump to this a song that i know you guys i think you guys will really like is um like lately Lately, huh? Lately. Lately is a very badass song with, like, um, 
beat to it, and every time I listen to it, I think of like I think if you just replace like the music for uh, like um, uh, Little Green Bag, the opening for uh, Reservoir Dogs, if you just replace that song with that, it still is as badass and as effective. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I think one of these days, all three of us, like once it's safe, we should we should all get together and just walk in slow motion and just listen to the song because yeah. I feel pretty badass. Cool. <laughs> Old statement. I think One Love. I think One Love would be a song I'd recommend to Evan. And for you, Lyle... One like Love, not to be confused with the U2 One Love, which is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of that one, too. <laughs> What's one no, song for me, Cody? One, yeah, because I, I just... When yeah. I hear that song you, by U2, it's like, One Love, One Life, yeah. carry each other. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, uh, um, so what? what's the song, Cody? I would maybe go with listening to a little bit of it as you were talking and so, yeah, I definitely got a Reservoir Dogs vibe from it. So, just so we're clarifying, are all those, the albums we're about to talk about, the last four albums we're all going to talk about, are they all from the 90s? Because Lyle's is mine. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think we're done. I mean, I got another, I got to do mine and then we're going to go, my, my last two are from the 90s. Oh, then mine's from the, my last one's from the nineties, and Cody is your last one from the same 90s? year too, actually. Uh, well, uh, well, Massive Attack's Blue Lines is from ninety one. Um, mine's from ninety one. <laughs> What's? Yeah, oh yeah, well, yeah, my last one's ninety one as well. Oh, holy so, shit! Uh, my last two are ninety one. His is ninety one. His last two are ninety one. Mine's ninety nine. <laughs> what the hell? Nineteen ninety one. Downward Spiral was ninety four. Oh. Okay, we're going back to we're gonna close this show out with '90s albums. That's crazy. And what a way to start this with none other than Nevermind by Nirvana. Probably the biggest album of its time, and it still holds up. So I know a lot of I, I I find Nirvana fans are probably gonna like be like, oh, way to pick the most overrated album of the bunch or the most overplayed. And I can't deny it is pretty, like, it's got a lot of radio attention, it's played almost all the time, but I gotta say, like, Nevermind is still my favorite album in Nirvana. I don't mind In Utero. I think In Utero has a lot of their, a lot, te- a lot of technically better songs, 
But on yeah. top, while it does have like like I love like heart shaped box. It's probably one of my favorite Nirvana songs. But I find a lot of the songs Sense, in that album. Senseless Apprentice is my favorite. Off of that that's one. not a bad one. Um, the thing I find is like a lot of the songs on that album are just made intentionally bad to kind of steer away the audience that Nevermind generated. And with that in mind, it's like yes, I don't like everything on that album. And maybe that was the point. And and Bleach is fine for a debut, but I think Nevermind's stronger. So. As, yeah, Bleach is like, I mean, it's definitely very more garage band than anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm starting out. It's, yeah. It's a good way to start off, actually. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not a bad album by any means. Um, <laughs> I, I like uh, I like how everyone's picking on me for bass lines. I actually find a lot of the best bass lines from Nirvana are from this album. Like, Lounge Act literally starts with this really groovy one. It's like, and then Stay Away is actually pretty underrated too. It's like, after, after every chorus, like, bling, ding, 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 bling, ding, 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 it, there is bass, but Kurt does play along. There is one section where no one plays but bass and drum. I don't know if I can necessarily call it a bass run because, like, it is just the guitar line but on bass. But well, yeah, I mean, you're talking. You're also talking about an album that has uh, a song that is literally the 1990s anthem. Yes, I will talk about it in a second. But the one, <laughs> actually, I might as well talk about it now. It smells like Teen Spirit. Literally one of the best songs ever written. It's kind of funny. I actually looked at a list that said the top ten song rock songs of all time, and most of them were from the fifties. Couple there were a couple ones I recognized from the sixties, but the most recent one was this song, and it came out in nineteen ninety one. It's not that recent. It's, it's like almost thirty years old. But it's thirty it years a old now. Revolutionary sound like that riff, that mm -hmm. energy, that that just. It, and, and the best part is, it was, Kurt Cobain wasn't even really giving it his all. He just found happened by by accident. He was trying to rip off pop music and just say, "Oh, I'll just play a couple chords." Yeah, yeah, I and mean, that's a that's he grew to hate it after its popularity. I don't doubt it. I mean, a lot of bands hate songs that become like massively popular overnight because it's like, well, we didn't really put all our best thought towards it, and it just turns out that everyone likes it. And now we gotta play it every time we do a show, whether we like it or not. And it's it, I can't really think of what the themes of this album are because talking about Kurt Cobain as a songwriter he never really focused on lyrics he's way more of a riff guy and I'm very much the same way I I don't think of lyrics on the spot and what he did was while he was even before he was recording like he would often just like come up with stuff on the fly with the stream of consciousness kind of thing like apparently like Dave Grohl stated like some of the songs he was recording like he just came up with minutes before they started uh, pressing the button and that's kind of sad it's kind of sad to note that uh, like the first lyrics of smells like teen, smells like teen spirit is load up on guns and then he talks about it in bloom he's the one who likes all these three songs likes to likes to shoot his gun I think the saddest then, one is come as you are though and come as you are, and I swear that I don't have a gun. 
No, don't have a gun. Oddly enough, Come As You Are is my favorite song. Uh, 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 Come As You Are is my favorite song off that album. I, I always like Polly. I'm going to have to go with my favorite, In Bloom, because I, I have a very special connection with In Bloom, because I, I, I met, you mentioned before that I play acoustic guitar, so every time that I try to tune my guitar just by ear, uh, how I tune the first, uh, my, my E chord, the very first, uh, uh, or not chord, sorry, string, the very first mm-hmm. string that I do, I always try to match it with the, with the very beginning of, uh, of, um, of In Bloom, so, do, 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 so it goes, six, six, three, one, four, that's how I know my first string is good, then I just go from there. <laughs> very nice, very nice. <laughs> I think if I had to pick a favorite, I would probably have to go with Lithium. I do like Smells Like Teen Spirit, but like I've kind of grown to like Lithium more, just because I like some of the lyrical content about a guy who just kind of changes his outlook on life and becomes something more I'm spiritual. So horny. That's, That's okay, my will is good! Yeah. I thought he, for years I always thought he said my willy's good. <laughs> <laughs> my will is good. Yeah. No, no, like my he said I'm so horny. That's okay. My willy is good. Yeah. Well, hey, that there there you go. Your your problem's almost solved. Yeah. <laughs> Talk I about self promotion. Rock band to thank. Yes. For making me fall in love with uh, Drain You. Oh yeah, that's a good song too. Because the part the part where like you know it's like that you know like I can picture like the lights going out and it's just like dun, 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 dun. well that fucking solo in the middle of the song is so insane like it's literally just build up and eerie sounds and um uh, you know it's a really understated track that hey, can we just talk about how Dave Grohl like I know Dave Grohl went on to be the yeah. Foo Fighters yeah sorry what. Yeah, Dave Grohl went on to join the Foo Fighters and well, create the Foo Fighters, but what yeah. about him? Well, no, I was just going to say, like, yeah, like, not only is he, like, a great frontman and, like, distinct singer and, like, guitar player for Foo Fighters, but, like, he's a kick-ass drummer. Oh, yeah, he's always yeah. been good on drums. It's like, funny. Have you, have you guys heard of them, Crooked Vultures? Yes. Yeah. That was a... Co- yeah. And that's a collaboration between... Yeah. That's a collaboration between Queen John, Queen John Paul Jones... Is it Jimmy Page or John Paul Jones? John Paul Jones. John Paul Jones, 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 bassist Led Zeppelin, Queens of the Stone Age, and Foo Fighters. Fighters. Yeah. Yeah, Also, uh, it's funny, Dave Grohl was also the drummer of uh, Queens of the Stone Age for a time, too. Very briefly. He was the the drummer on uh, my favorite Queens of the Stone Age song. No One Uh, Knows? No One Knows. I love that song. That's a good one. Can I just say, uh, here's what Nevermind means to me. It was one of the biggest songs. It, sorry, why do I keep singing? Okay, I got to keep singing saying songs albums. <laughs> I can't talk tonight. Uh, so here's <laughs> the thing. Uh, here's the reality. I grew up not being attached to albums. I grew up uh, with it, listening to individual songs and parent. My parents 
introduced my brother and I to compilations of past hours, I, as I mentioned this earlier in the episode. Mm. So whenever I think of a, of music, I think my favorite song rather than my favorite album. Because I don't, you guys think in terms of albums like they're movies, and I do agree that albums were like movies. I did work at HMV for about uh, two ye- for two years, so I do feel yeah. you on that. But uh, that's why I'm getting the words album and song mixed up. My favorite, uh, Nevermind was one of the biggest albums of, uh, yeah, no, it, and it's a, it, mainstream media has a lot to do with that too, but one of my biggest, uh, most well-known songs from the 90s was Smells Like Teen Spirit, and then my, I have two really good friends, uh, who grew up in uh, East York, and they were huge Nirvana fans. They actually introduced me to Weird Al Yankovic's, uh, Smells Like Nirvana That's parody. That's probably my favorite parody of his. Yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing parody. Yeah. yeah. Now, in the video, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, the, the effort, he, the shot-for-shot remake of the Smells Like Teen Spirit song is so, like, masterfully done. Sometimes Weird Al Yankovic will try to duplicate a music video and then unintentionally one-up the art, the original artist of the song. That's what I love about it. But anyway, so back to Nirvana. <laughs> I, I knew, the only songs I knew before I actually listened to this album in full were... Uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, obviously, In Bloom, because I played Rock Band, and Territorial Pissings, because uh, I watched the movie Beautiful Boy with Steve Carell, and in this one scene where he goes to pick up his son, who is, like, coming down from a a really powerful heroin high, the song Territorial Pissing is blasting on the car radio while it's, like, raining and shit. It's not uh, a very radio friendly song. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together and um, try to love one another right now. But anyways, so that's Chris. I listened to I I felt I kind of like really got grew to love this album like when I was moving out of my parents for the first time and in with uh, this guy over here because yeah. basically no nah, I'm a Nirvana head. For yeah, sure. so. The song, uh, so- the songs "Come as You Are" and "Lithium," and "In Bloom" actually kind of you know identified with you know the feeling of like having my own place uh, in Toronto because I moved from the suburbs to Toronto and it felt like such a good thing. And it was spring and the grass was starting to get green, so "In Bloom" I really feel that "Come as You Are." Like I kind of felt like every time I entered this house, I was coming at this apartment. I was coming as I was. And I thought and, that and was. I, I'm sure generations, people in Generation Z are going, oh, my introduction to Nirvana is when they play Come As You Are and Captain Marvel. Basically. God damn it. Well, that's the thing about Nirvana. No, you mean Gen Z. You mean Gen Z. You, you mean Gen Z. Yeah. Because Gen X. Like, he said Gen Z. Oh, he did? Oh, yeah. Gen X is this generation of Nirvana. But, anyway, so. Yeah, I find a lot of kids. Did I say X? Sorry, I meant to say Z. I you, you did I say. Thought, I thought you said Z. Yeah. May, I'm deaf. Too much. I was listening too much of this album, I guess. But anyways, so uh, what I find about this album is like the themes are hard to identify. But the way I feel about it is that it's just so angst-ridden and antisocial, and I feel like that's why I listened to it so much when I was in high school. Like, like um, I I I just loved listening to it like almost every single day. And I remember one time I was in a car ride with my with a, a bandmate of mine and uh, his dad, and we started cranking "Smells Like Teen Spirit." And the guy was just like, eh, they're just a bunch of clowns who can't sing. What? <laughs> oh, God. Well, he was in an acapella group, so I guess he oh, felt he God. had some credence. 
Yeah, but hey, this album was huge. It paved the way for the Seattle sound and made grunge mainstream. And that's half the reason why I really want to go to Seattle someday and just see that place. Uh, I was I was in Seattle for ten minutes on a connecting flight, and at least the only thing I can say that I walked away from is that I purchased a coffee at the airport. I want to uh, purchase a coffee in Seattle. I hear they got good coffee there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Nirvana's technically not a Seattle band. They're from Aberdeen, Washington, but like, I'd go there too just to visit. They got like, oh man, well, it's all semantics about the term grunge because, yeah, well, well, I mean, we're gonna get into that when I talk about my favorite album, but we'll we'll talk. We'll go with Evan first. (laughs) Okay, last Um, album of the night. I'm gonna uh, talk about. I had one fact to go. What did you have your fact? Well, it's just, like, it's interesting how this album was, like, an unexpected immediate success. Because, like, when they finished recording it, they had to do a European tour. They were just playing shows all throughout Europe. And when they came back, they found out their album that just came out was, like, dominating the charts and the airwaves. And as soon as they returned to the U.S. And, like, the biggest factor is because, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit was on, like, all the time on MTV. And garnered right, so much right. uh, popularity. But what's interesting, I just found this out today, the band is actually very dissatisfied with the album. Are you serious? They actually weren't that pleased with it, because um, producer Butch Vig um, uh, made the album sound very clean. They wanted to make, like, a pop album mixed with, like, punk roots. And then, like, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, all that rough. It wasn't, like, a typical punk album. So, like... Kurt Cobain actually went on record to say that he compared Nevermind closer to a Motley Crue album than an actual punk album, which is what he wanted, and what he got later on with an Utero. So, ah, some people, you just can't Butch please Vig, some people. Who's the drummer from uh, Garbage is the producer of the song. Yeah, Butch Vig from Garbage. That's right. Wow, isn't that funny? Yep. Uh, that's good, good for him. Crazy. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. So, the last album of the night that I'm going to talk about is uh, a gem from the end of the 90s. Now, uh, Cody and I, we just had a conversation separate from this podcast about Red Hot Chili Peppers. And you kind of, your audience might see where I'm going with this, they may not. Um, Basically, uh, I want to talk about the Chili Peppers album that I was introduced to, and that is Californication. That was my Chili Peppers introduction, but a lot of Chili Peppers fans that I talk to who are with them since the beginning will point to Blood Sugar Sex Magic as the, you know... The definitive album. The definitive Chili Peppers album. They A lot of people also feel like that was the last time that their sound actually sounded like them because they changed their sound for other albums like uh, after, uh, after Blood Sugar. But... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I there was a time when life got better for me. You remember how I was talking about how uh, you know I listened to uh, "Helplessness Blues" by Fleet Foxes to try and you know just come to terms with what I was dealing with. You know, leaving high school and going to college. So yeah. when I was really enjoying college, I actually fell in love with Californication the summer of 2012, and like. 13 years after the album was released i was introduced to the album in the 2000s uh with the song other side and californication itself i do think scar tissue is the most overplayed chili peppers track of all time like uh, it is the it is this oh yeah like, no, because like you can t- kind of tell that they they were pressured to make mainstream stuff 
And, you know, to be fair, uh, it is a kind of mainstreamish sounding album, but I do think that there are some gems that would, will appeal to the old school Chili Pepper fans. And, Cody, the song I'm going to recommend to you is Purple Stain. Uh, that sounds like, you know, their classic sound. It's the closest to their classic sound off that album. That and Emmett and Meet Remis, I think, are the two songs that sound closest to what they used to sound like before uh, Californication. So. But, uh. is a beautiful song it is i feel like this is kind of like a, I feel like i'm kind of in a rivalry between like uh i'm trying to talk about californication and you guys want to talk about blood sugar yeah but, like either or i'm not the i mean we might have to kind of just combine this into a two for one because i do i guys i love <laughs> blood sugar sex magic i just want i just californication kind of appeals to me just slightly a little more i'm not saying california i'm not i'm not saying blood sugar is a bad album in no, any no, stretch of the yeah yeah so, so, so yeah, um, you're fine my, if i had to pick a favorite uh al- a song off this album i'm gonna have to say that uh uh this velvet glove is probably my favorite um there's just something so you know catchy about it and so nice. powerful about kind it of a, kind of a kind of a deep cut is your favorite nice. uh, yeah um and uh once again uh scar tissue is uh the most overplayed fucking song of all time not it's one not only is it the most overplayed chili pepper song it's probably one of the most overplayed songs in general because uh okay, wait. can i, I sorry because i i always go like i don't memorize the names of these songs i go oh it's this one is this the one that goes Hello, hello. No, that's, that, that's that, other side. That's other side. Scar tissue's like, Scar tissue, then I wish you saw. So, Cassie makes you know it all. That one. I will actually change the station if I'm listening to radio and that song comes on. I will change the station. I, I've heard that song. I, I, I really like other side, actually. I like other side a lot. Yeah. Even if it's a little simple. But Scar Tissue is was the name of uh, Anthony Kiedis's Ida biography, and yeah, um, my mom read that one. I haven't read it. I just know the chapter where he talks about how he lost his virginity. Uh, yeah. Well, do do you know the story of how he lost his virginity? I guess if you've read the book, you'll know the story. But basically, his dad was sleeping with this really hot girl, and Anthony Kiedis was so attracted to her that he actually asked her to have sex with him and they both he wrote a letter to his dad saying your girlfriend's hot i want to bang her his dad consent his dad conceded and then they consented and conceded and then they did the deed oh my god that's it's 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 fucked fucked up up. It but, sounds like something out of Honey Boy. <laughs> this, no, but this is the fucking lifestyle that these... This is their livelihoods that we're talking about with the Chili Peppers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's... it's And uh, I got... 
one, the, the song that probably means a lot to me in terms of uh, a frantic panic that I went through when I was in film school is that um, when we were in a term in the middle of the summer of 2012, when we were preparing pitch packages for films, we would pitch to the school, and then if they greenlit us, theoretically, they would give us equipment passes to get our equipment to make all the movies. At the last minute, I came up with this idea for a short film, and I had knew I ha- I was low on time to create a pitch package, so I did one in like a couple of days. And then, as I was running from Union Station to the campus downtown in Toronto, I was listening to Right on Time, by which is the last track on the album. Unless you count Road Trippin', which is technically a bonus track, but... Yeah, right on time is the song that c- plays out the album. Nice. Yeah, but I was listening to right on time as I am running for my livelihood. To t- I'm like, <laughs> I want to be a filmmaker, so right on time is kind of the song that plays during. If they ever make a movie about you know my life story as an up and coming filmmaker, they better put right on time in this scene where I'm running from the train station to school to get my pitch package turned in. And if you listen to the song, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. So that's really all I have to say about uh, uh, Californication. Destruction, it leads to a very rough road, but it also breeds creation. And earthquakes are to a girl's to guitar. They're just another good vibration. vibration. And by me and uh tidal waves couldn't save the world from Californication. Ding. All right, name I drop. Think the, I think the lyrics are pretty good. They are. Yeah. 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 Um, that was a kick-ass no, no, music I mean, video, I, too. I, I know I have my gripes about, like, how later on, you know, like, you know, they kind of became a little bit of sellouts, but I can't argue that, like, the, that's great that the album means so much to you. I was like, yeah. I can't, you know, that's great. Um, yeah. It's kind of funny how Chad's, it's Chad, Chad Smith and Will Ferrell look exactly alike. <laughs> Chad Smith, yeah. Oh, the drummer of the Chili Peppers, yeah. Yeah, yeah him, him and Will Ferrell are like twins, and I think they even joked about that on Fallon, where both of them come on stage dressed like exactly the same, and they were both playing drums, and they like, it's like you can't even tell the two apart. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. <laughs> Alright, Cody, you want to rein us in for the night? Absolutely. The penultimate so, album. Here we are. Anything is going to top this. Like I know that I, I'm st- I, I, Pink Floyd is like my favorite band of all time, and like that's just pure music. But there's one album from another band which will never be topped, and it means so much to me. And that is Pearl Jam's Ten. Ah uh, yes. An album that I have both on cassette and CD, and I'm yet to gonna get the vinyl because I love it that much. Yay! The vinyl collector. <laughs> Um, so it was it was recorded at the London Bridge studio in Seattle. So going back to the whole grunge phase. Of course. So I know I know Lyle's probably going to know a little bit more about the history of how this all, this whole thing got made. But actually, Cody, to show, be honest with you, I'm not really the biggest Pearl Jam fan. I've just, neither am I. I've just, but I'm I'm open I've to just, getting into them. I've just recently started listening to them more. I used to be kind of turned off by them as a kid, but like now I get well, them. Here's, here's the thing, is that, and this is one of the big points that I wanted to bring up, especially with their first album. 
uh, with Ken is that yes, it's part of the whole grunge Seattle whole scene and blowout, but this album really transcends and and it really is heavily inspired by classic rock. Yeah, it's very well written. Like, it has a lot of roots. It has a lot of roots from the Who, Bob Dylan, the Stones, even to a certain extent. So that's kind of like why I don't consider it like a grunge band. Like I don't really consider Pro Jam sometimes grunge. They just happen to be playing like a newer kind of sound, just in this kind of like area where a lot of local bands in Seattle were just performing like kind of more garage kind of heavier bands. So. They were quite distinct no, from other grunge bands, yes. But no, sorry, there, there's a band that was called Mother Love Bone. Yeah, I like them. Most of, most, most of the band members up that were later on to do Pearl Jam, like Stone Gossard and uh, Mike McCready and Jeff Amert, they were part of that with um, Andrew Wood. Now, Andrew Wood, um, if he was still alive, he could have went on to being like an amazingly talented singer like he just did not get his time to shine mm. but he has an amazing song that i want you guys to check out called uh, chloe dancer crown of thorns okay. an amazing song incredible song i i consider that the stairway to heaven or bohemian rhapsody of grunge music okay and crown uh, of thorns like eight, I, 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 eight minute... what's that I, that has my attention i was curious and now that has my attention so what happened was is that after Andrew Wood sadly passed away from drugs, uh, Chris Cornell, who you guys probably know, obviously, from Soundgarden, Sound yeah. he, he decided to, I want to make a tribute album to my friend Andrew Wood, and he formed Temple of the Dog. Mm-hmm. Now, some of you will probably know Temple of the Dog more famously for their song Hunger Strike, Hunger Strike if yeah. you look it up. But they got on board this very unknown guy... Eddie Vedder to perform on this song as well and it's funny I always remember like I'll always remember this quote like the first time uh, Chris Cornell heard Eddie Vedder's voice he's like he's like is that human oh my god like I've never heard anybody like this before and it is true because Eddie Vedder has the most amazing soulful baritone voice I've ever heard in my life like it's pretty amazing and once after they did this tribute album, they they uh, Stone Gossard, Mike McCready, Jeff Ammer, and uh, Eddie Vedder just became like huge friends, and then they decided to do form a band called Pearl Jam, and the rest is history. They just they're now up there as like one of the greatest bands of all time. But with Ten, um, this is like, I mean, my God, this is their debut album, and they come out right away with. Even Flow, Black, Jeremy, Alive, for God's sakes. Alive is like the Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam's anthem, for God's sakes. Yeah. Um, just amazing classic songs. Um, I would have to say, honestly, if I had to choose a favorite, I would probably go with Jeremy. Actually, uh, that's my favorite, actually, too. I'd agree with you. Oh, yeah, you got, you got the 12-string bass line in there. It's incredible. 12-string, yeah. Jesus. Um, it's a very, I don't know if Evan knows about this, uh, Jeremy is about a, a, the story about it is about a history about this uh, kid who was kind of a loner in school, and one day he just went to class and like killed himself in front of his classmates by pulling a gun, and yeah. putting a gun in his mouth. Can someone make a movie about that? I mean, I mean. No, but there is a very like controversial uh, 
music video. Music it video, yeah. shows some touchy, like, it, it, they show it as much as they can, like, you know, trying to recreate it, and it's, it's a very dark and, like, you know, flashy uh, music video. Um, so maybe watch the uncut version of it if you want to get the full effect on it. Um, yeah. I mean, you got Even Flow. It's a song about homelessness. It has, I mean, right away when you hear his voice, Freezing, rest his head on a pillow, and his arms beneath. Like, you're just like, oh, my yeah. God, this guy has such a powerful voice. Um, like, I can gush about this album all day long. Uh, <laughs> Alive, like, apparently this song was written because Eddie Vedder, when he wrote this song, apparently he found out years later that his what is now his stepfather he thought was his actual biological father his whole life wow and just that kind of devastation and trying to like come to terms with it like he it's all about that really it's one of their more personal songs but alive is like the pearl jam anthem i feel very sorry i feel very weird with alive because it's like Eddie Vedder singing it. And Eddie Vedder is kind of the last of the grunge frontmen to, ironically, still be alive. Yeah. Kurt, Scott, Lane, Chris. Yeah, all of them are gone. Yeah, Kurt Cobain, uh, Scott Lan- Lan- Stanley, Lane Staley, uh, yeah. Scott Wayland, and, uh, Scott Wayland, Chris and, Cornell, uh, Chris Cornell. Yeah, they're all gone. Sad. Uh, and there's other grunge bands, but those were the main four or five. For sure. But, uh, if I had to recommend, I know that, okay, actually, at, uh, Lyle, have, do you know the song Porch? Um, probably not by name, but I might have, I might know it once I start listening to it. Sure, listen to it again, but actually know the context and the history behind this. Apparently, this was a love letter to their love for punk music. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely take that. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a very fast song. It's a very like, um, and Evan for sure. You got again. You got to smoke of joint and listen to Garden. Garden. Ooh, that's Garden. A Garden. Take it, that that song will take your breath away. Amazing guitar in that. I'm not kidding. Like that's a that's a stoner rock song. Awesome. Like, very mellow. Very oh, it's great. Yeah. No, I, I have no misgivings about this album. I know it's very good. It has some of the best hits that Pearl Jam ever created. It's an incredibly good debut. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very worthy choice, actually. If you look up their MTV Unplugs, uh, which, by the way, also Nirvana, amazing performance. Yes. Of, uh, uh, but Pearl Jam also has another killer one where you got to look up their performance for Black. Hmm. Oh my god. Like, to everything. Oh, the pictures said, all been washed in black. Tattoo I'll keep all this and in mind. Actually, actually, the, the song that they closed off with in that performance was Porch. And oh, yeah. that was like one moment where like they broke out and like almost smashed the stage just a bit. It's like that Pearl Jam energy kind of broke out a bit. Nice. During this, like, what's supposed to be kind of like a more, you know, unplugged kind of, you know, acoustic. He, like, fell out of his chair. He fell out of his high chair. And then he, like, stands up back on it. And he writes literally on his upper arm, pro-life. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, oh, yeah. Pro-Jam, like, they, they, could, they didn't give a fuck about how famous they were. They 
And in fact, they wanted to like suppress it because they thought it was like a joke. I get a real humble so, vibe. The, the fact that they got the fact that they got so big and so talked about, they're like, "Wow, we regret. Like, we don't want to regret doing music, but like, we really just need to like step away from this because like, like, it was just too much for them." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it. That's very. That's commendable. It's commendable for like people that just want to play music. Like they won the Grammy. They come on stage and they're like, uh, "We don't know what we're doing here, but thanks." <laughs> that's kind of. It's kind of like that lyric. You you know uh I'm gonna reference Pink Floyd. Do you remember uh, Have a Cigar? The lyric. The band is just fantastic. That is really what I think. Oh, by the way, which one's pink? Which one's pink? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, did you guys know that that's not even Roger Waters? Singing that song? Have a cigar? Yeah, Have a Cigar is not. That's the only Pink Floyd song that is not performed. It's like lyric, like it's not sung by either Gilmore or Waters. Who sings it? Barrett? Uh, it's a guy by the name of Roy Harper. Oh, oh so it's like cool. someone. I, I did think it sounded somewhat different from their other catalogs, so that makes sense. Yeah. Oh boy. But no, but no, 10, like, yeah, I don't. Just like that's just pure music. I, I just I feel motivated and, and I feel alive. <laughs> We're still alive. I remember one time. I, was I remember, like, I, I, remember I, like I could play that song on acoustic. I remember that I did like a parody song with you, you know the drink. Uh, you know the drink Five Alive. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, it's hilarious. I was um, I was at a I was at a bar one night. And I put some quarters in a, an old jukebox and I started playing like nothing but grunge music. And I started off with a live. There were some people who are like three years older than me, just going, kind of doing the vowel game where you sing every grunge song like it's vowels like hey oh e i o u a y e what? That's did what they Ted were. Do that with yeah, Ted did the vowel game with uh, Hootie and the Blowfish, but this was like Pearl Jam, and I thought that was funny. It's like, hey, I'm bringing people together with this song. That's nice. It's a nice feeling. Yeah. Alright. So, is that all you have to say about 10? Is it a 10? That's all I gotta say about 10. No, I, I just have nothing but recommendations for Would you give it a 10 out of 10? Your favorite album of all time is one out of ten. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Alright. So my final album of the night is none other than Spiderland by Slint. Which I have on vinyl. Damn. Oh yeah. Ooh, nice. So if you're wondering what Slint's all about, Slint is basically the godfathers of math rock and post hardcore and post rock. It's basically people who wanted to do something artistically unique with with rock music. They wanted to have they wanted to have like this atmosphere. They wanted to have atypical time signatures. They wanted to have waves of distortion that didn't just blare out of nowhere. It was always like an ebb and flow kind of design. And um, they didn't they didn't want to like sing even. They just wanted to speak their poetry out loud and just sort of say it as like the music did most of the uh, had most of the. Uh, harmonization so the thing with spiderland that i love most is like much like the wall 
it's an album that I just want to listen to from beginning to end. It's it, it's an EP basically. It has six songs on it. It's probably the shortest album in the in our list actually. But um, yeah, it's just like hey. It's just, it's such an inspirational album for me. Like, a lot of the stuff I did on my first album, I, I borrowed a lot from Spiderland. Mm. And it's, it's I wouldn't say it's underrated, because oh, it's... Uh, Sid's yeah, Sid's Room is, like, pretty inspired by Spiderland. But, um, what's interesting is, like, this isn't, like, an underrated album or anything. It's actually very highly regarded. It's, like, considered one of, like, the best albums, like, made from the 90s, and some of the best, like, indie work and underground work. Looking forward to listening to it. Yes, I'd highly recommend you listen to it. Um, and um, I guess if I had any facts about it, it's like a lot of the band members were like from like there were there were a lot of punk musicians. There were a lot of like people who did like thrash and hardcore, and that's where that's where their ideas kind of stemmed from was just going against the grain. And then they came together in a recording studio, and they they had a first album. I think it was called Tweez, and I listened to. It. I didn't really like it as much because it was kind of. It wasn't as well produced or, like, clean. It was just sort of, like, a mess of, like, sampling. And it wasn't a bad album, but I just didn't like it as much. But, um, with, um... What, what would you recommend? Their original album or the remaster? Because it kind of seems like the remaster is quite longer. Oh, no, no, no. This isn't a remaster. This, it was a separate album. It's called Tweez. It was their debut. And then they came up with their sophomore album, Spiderland. And, oh, no, uh, talk about Spiderland. Oh, you're talking. Sorry. Oh, you're talking about Spiderlands like additionals. Yeah, this is a remastered yeah, uh, copy that I'm holding in my hands right now. But um, yeah, okay. I really like the album cover. Like, it's just a simple letterbox picture of the band like swimming in a quarry that I found outside. Uh, yeah. I think Ohio. I could be wrong. Um, oh, Indiana. Okay. Yeah, I was totally wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, and. I'll just give a wrap-up synopsis. So, like, as they were, like, recording the album, um, the lead singer, um, Brian McCann, or sorry, Brian McMahon, uh, suffered a car accident. And he was already feeling, like, this heavy, like, wave of depression throughout the album. You can kind of hear it in his vocals. Um, that he was, like, after the surviving near-death experience, he just couldn't really handle it anymore, and he had to leave the band. But that's not to say that they all just kind of disappeared. Um, the guitarist David Paho uh, went on a tour with the Yeah Yeah Yeahs as like a session guitarist. He's a very talented guy with oh, nice. like very talented with like pedals and like sound reverberation. He's he's very different with guitar. And the drummer uh, Brad Walford, who's the front guy in the album, he uh, he actually got to sing in the album too. That's kind of rare. I don't hear too many drummers like pick up a guitar and it's like, hey guys, I got a song. Is it cool if I put it on? <laughs> and that was the song Don Amon. Nice. He went on to join the Breeders with Pixie bassist Kim Deal. He was the drummer for that band. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so a lot of these guys, a lot of these kids went on to do to have pretty successful careers with bigger bands, but I think Spiderland will always be like their legacy cuz I find a lot of it good. And if I had to pick a favorite song, I would highly recommend you listen to the entire album cuz from start to finish it's just like amazing, but like I I'd probably say the last song, "Good Morning Captain," is my favorite song. Um, every time I listen to it, it always reminds me of "The Lighthouse" with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Which is interesting because the song is actually like it's kind of like based on the poem uh, 
the rhyme of the mar the maritimer it's just uh yeah it's just this dark song about a guy who's dead and his ghost is stuck in this like void outside the shore and the only thing he can talk to is a younger version of himself yeah. yeah, I'm not too familiar with math rock, but I do know that one of the bands that uh, my girlfriend and I listen to are the Foles. Okay, yeah. They're like an English English band, they're considered math rock. I guess when I looked up like their type of sound, they they are in that category. So I didn't know what that meant, but I, when you're saying about atmosphere, I I can definitely hear that in some of Foles' music. So yeah, yeah. If you like yeah. stuff like um dinosaur jr or like sebado it's kind of got that vibe to it as well um dinosaur jr that's a uh, feel the pain right yeah that's feel the pain and sebado yeah, yeah, sebado right. was the band that basically gave a lot of the songs to um the 1995 movie kids have you ever seen that one i i, I have to I see kids influence it's an influence for uh mid-90s right Kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids, kids inspired mid nineties. Funny, we're going back to that movie again. Mid nineties, <laughs> and it's funny because when we talked about mid nineties, you mentioned uh, Nirvana, and when uh, Cody, I don't know if I told you the story, but when Lyle and I saw in her uh, mid nineties at TIFF, uh, I just it turns yeah, out that I, I, yeah, I saw I saw it at TIFF too. I saw it at the premiere. Yeah, no, I knew something about Nirvana that Lyle didn't, and basically. The song, uh, My Girl, My Girl, Out of Me, that was a cover uh, that Nirvana did, and the reason why, and I knew that song, because my buddy Sean used that song in a short film that I worked with him on, uh, called, uh, Scarlet Night, and basically, um, the... The a home in this movie that I worked on, a homeless person sings, uh, sings, you know, my girl, my girl, and, I, and then basically, when I heard that song playing in the movie, I'm like, oh, I know this song, and Lyle's like, you know this song? I'm like, yeah, it's by, it's a, it's a, it's a public domain song by Nirvana, and Nirvana, like Led Zeppelin, is notoriously difficult for letting people use their songs in movies. Not impossible, but just very difficult. And that song got used in this indie movie because it's public domain. Yeah. And so that, and I explain that to Lyle. So yeah. I have another funny connection relating to Spiderland. Um, the lead singer and his band uh, were playing with. Uh, they they had a few bands before they started Slint, but um, funny Slint is actually named after the lead singer is Goldfish. It's just, it's just a random name he came up with. But anyways, uh, they they were doing a tour with uh, Danzig back when he was doing his solo career. So after he left Misfits. And what's funny is like during the car crash, uh, Brian McMahon was uh, quoted as to be singing uh, We Are 138 while he was being dragged into the ambulance. So that's, that's a song off of my first album, uh, Static Age. What a, what a weird world we live in. <laughs> music just seems to jump all sorts of borders it's crazy but yeah no if you give it a chance i, I would compare spiderland to something like um in the airplane over the sea not in terms of content but just on how much of a how much love it gets from a lot of like uh music elitists or like people who like really take into account like the fidelity of songs it's very popular among like record collectors and like I think there's even, like, a Reddit page that's dedicated to, like, band songs or, or, like, albums that have that sort of, like, esteem. It's like that. And, uh, 
neutral milk hotels. So yeah, I would highly recommend it to everyone. Um, we've been talking for a while, so I think I'll let the song speak for itself. If I had to recommend uh, pieces to you guys, um, God, there's only six songs. I can only say so much. Um, Good Morning Captain, I'd recommend to the both of you just to listen to it because it's an excellent closer. It's Cody, if you like long songs, it's seven and a half minutes long. There's a they have a they have a longer piece, Cody. I'll recommend to you called Washer, which is all about a guy who slowly dies from a, a pill overdose. And for Evan, I'll recommend um, Don Amon or Don Aman. I don't know how to pronounce it, but like I would say Don Amon. And that's a very very quiet song about a guy who's like struggling with social anxiety oh, at wow. a party. And it slowly builds to a, it just slowly goes into a fever pitch where he starts having a meltdown in his bathroom. And the distortion on the guitar just, it's an acoustic song and all of a sudden distortion just kicks in. He's like, and it just, and then it like builds into this crescendo distortion and then just like slowly quiets down back into acoustic. So I'd highly recommend that song to you. Yeah, everybody, give this one a chance. I don't think you'll regret it. I don't think you. I think the Fleet Fox. I think the Fleet Foxes album and Spiderland. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to download these right away. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'll have to listen to Fleet Fox. I'll also have to listen to. I'll have to give Ten another chance. I haven't sat through it all, but I'll give a few of those a go. Sorry, sorry. I think that's all we have to say for tonight, everyone. If you want to comment down below what are some of your favorite albums, uh, send them our way. We like to hear a lot of yeah stuff from all corners of the world. So, All right. Well, show did go on for tonight. Uh, happy it did. Thank you to our audience. Thank you, Cody, for joining us again. Uh, now Cody's going to magically oh, just... Cody's going to get in his time machine and go back to the 90s. And magically disappear. Please take us. Yeah. What 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 year are you gonna land in next, Cody? Are you gonna go to ninety four, ninety seven? I think about going back to like nineteen ninety five and listen to like uh I don't know. I can't really think of an album right now. I just thought of the year. That's crazy. That's the year I was born. So you're gonna see me as a little baby, and you'll be like, "Hey, you're gonna be my friend later in life." (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna take your. Ba- I'm gonna take you as a baby and put it in a pool and have a fishing rod with a dollar bill attached to it. Hey, you know what's it's funny? A time, it's a time. It's a time paradox. Like that's you in that album. Wow. Oh man, I, I would be honored. You know what's funny? The kid who actually was the baby on that album's grown up now, and you see him at conventions. And his only claim to fame is like, I yeah. He, I think he actually reenacted it as an adult. Yeah, he did. I hope he wore underwear. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> He did, oh my, that's funny. And like I remember, so many people were talking shit about him, and the comments were being like, "You're not a celebrity." And the people running the convention were posting all these Nirvana gifts, trying to be all cool and shit, saying that you guys are assholes. I'm like, just let the kid be. He he left his mark in music history, and we should all applaud him. Anyways, uh, thank you for tuning in, tuning into tonight, so to speak. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye bye, everybody. For sure. Have a good one, guys. Rock on. Rock on, indeed. Keep on rocking in the free world. Yeah. Not so free with COVID. God damn it, yeah.